Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. I will not call it a Monday. It's a Tuesday. Hanging out with you. Hope you had a uh, fantastic Labor Day weekend, a long weekend. Uh, And it is the wake-up call right here on The Fan in Indianapolis. KB and Andy, I'm Andy Sweeney. He's Kevin Bowen. And we are hanging out with you for the next three hours. And uh, guys, fellas, gentlemen, it is game week. You've made it through those those family vacations. You've made it through Jimmer, say, tweet. You've made it through, well, I don't know if we made it through Jonathan Taylor scowling on the sideline. Uh, and we get to right here where we get to have, what, four days, guys, of bold predictions. What do you want to see from Anthony Richardson and everything else? Uh, and we'll have fun for the next three hours. KB, good morning. You're looking good. You got the Notre Dame gear on and you're ready to go. I can tell. I'm ready to go. Hallelujah. Yeah. That uh, game week is here. It's been uh, quite the offseason, yes. to say the least, and honestly, probably quite Quite the 12 months when you think back to the attempting of football the Colts tried to play last season. So good Tuesday morning to everybody out there. Hope uh, you guys enjoyed your Labor Day weekend and the extra day off. How was the furniture shopping? That's kind of where we left you on. <laughs> it's fine. On Friday. We, we have a few pieces that will be delivered. So we're good. We we're, we have internet figured out. We have a couple pieces of furniture figured out. I got a call and just confirmed for the 15th time about the movers coming this weekend. I'm ready to go. It's going to be a long week for me. I'm ready to go. We just had college football. We had Dabo Sweeney get embarrassed last night. I'm feeling great, KB. Yeah, we had a moment. I remember... Um Gosh, uh, we were probably freshly married where uh, Maddie and I put together a table, a, a little kitchen table in one room and then tried to get it into our kitchen where we were going to put it and realized quickly that it was not going to fit through the frame. Oh, so that's I, fun. At that point, I thought to myself, man, is this divorce going to happen a lot earlier than I ever would have hoped? Was, we were still living in our apartment and Ashley's like, you know what? I kind of want to move the TV and entertainment center to the other side of the room and just see what it looks like. I'm like, that's a lot of wires and all that stuff I moved it and not five minutes later she's like you know what I don't mm-hmm. like it and I was like you know what where's my divorce attorney because yeah. we were getting pretty close at that and point and again you are moving at what a eight and a half months pregnant yeah. for your wife oh so, yeah yeah that's, yeah. Uh, that's a different animal yeah. but, but good luck uh, Thank certainly you. to her I need good it. luck sir and to you <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's great good luck he gave me a good luck and then was going to pivot right to Shane Steichen what he said on yesterday. that end <laughs> yes the Colts will have their first official regular season practice of the season coming up tomorrow. They did get back to work yesterday. And yeah, I I remember saying this back in April, Andy, and obviously it's a big 180 on how Colts fans have typically viewed seasons. But, you know, for once, you're going to see a quarterback under center on Sunday. And the question is not going to be like, hey, how much do you think he has left in the tank? Yeah, right. You think right. he, you know, you're at, the, any, you're at the end of the tank with the last couple guys, right? Is there any chance, you know, oh, yeah, he can hold on and resurrect something? You have like this ascending, very intriguing, obviously a totally unique a player prospect. And I think Colts fans over the last, you know, handful of months have realized what this whole process is like. And I think they're going to be pretty open minded to watching his growth. And I almost wish social media would have been around in 1998. 
to have gone through Peyton Manning's <laughs> three and thirteen rookie season when he led the NFL in interceptions. But uh, for a lot of people, I think in this market as well, the sports calendar really kind of starts now. It, it's okay. Indiana football, it, Indiana and Purdue have played their first football games of the year. Notre Dame's two weeks into the season. Now we get to the Colts. We're a month, month and a half away from the Pacers getting ready to start their training camp. And, and I think this is a really intriguing time to be a sports fan in this market when you think of where the Pacers are at and what the Colts are trying to attempt to do because they haven't gone down this path in recent years. To me, it's the path you have to go down. If you want to try and build something, you're a long, long ways away from getting to the light at the end of the tunnel, but at least you're trying to build something for the future. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback position obviously is not patchwork like it's been, you know, like it's been the last couple years around here. But you mentioned in the first four minutes, and I saw that we have tons of sound in there today of Tom Allen, and I just can't do Tom Allen sound today. Uh, KB, what we saw. Well, I, I, I don't even like mention them in the first five minutes, but we have to at some point. I think we've got to give Tom Allen a lot of credit. Probably probably for two things, Andy. Okay, uh, One, <laughs> I actually thought that was one of the better defensive efforts I've seen from Indiana against Ohio State in my lifetime. I know the bar is not set very high for that. And two, credit Tom Allen for hiding his quarterbacks from us for six months because I can see why he wanted to hide yeah, them. Yeah, like he wanted to forget from that, us. that the yeah. position even exists. Yeah, but it looked Completely. like it was 1932 uh, football <laughs> there. I don't know if the forward pass was Like some, a leather helmet? Indiana had thought about there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, again, I, I can see totally why Tom Allen said, yeah, um, we're not going to reveal who our starting quarterback is. And then if you're Ryan Walters and West Ooh. Lafayette, you got to work some, uh, some defensive magic pretty quick because they couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, on, on I, I mean, I mean, Tom Allen did not try to win that game. We'll get to that later on, obviously, as we go today. Uh, just to set up the show, Bob Kravitz going to join us at about 8.15. Uh, as we go, uh, KB will continue to give us, and the reason I'm laughing at this is every NFL, if you just type it in now, it's, you know, it's obviously Tuesday, it's game week. Everyone has their 10 bold predictions or five bold predictions. So we may need to jot down our bold predictions uh, at some point. But obviously, Indiana. Indiana was offensively was ridiculous and that's a cover though losing it is losing to Fresno State at home I'm sorry to Purdue sorry to my man Todd they're not going to be in a bowl game either Uh, to me what interests me the most KB about this Colts season and we're going to have Bob Kravitz coming up like I said at 815 Uh, and Kravitz has been on the side of like they're going to win two or three games we know that we've talked about that I think you feel like they're going to win because of the schedule because of who's coming to Lucas Oil Um, and it's the NFL and on any given Sunday I I think you and we can as we go this week give our final predictions as if that's going to be as if that's going to be anything, but maybe you have them closer to, say, six wins, and I'm probably somewhere in the middle, but, you know, with with you guys, and to me, it's easy to say that it's about the quarterback, it's about the maturation of not only Shane Steichen, his first year as a head coach, but then also, KB on top of it, all the Anthony Richardson stuff, you know, my thing is, are you going to be okay, and okay is not the right word, but are you going to be able to make it through when the losses pile up, right? It's easier to to love on the quarterback and love on the new coach when you're winning when you're winning games, right? Uh, and 
eventually, if this thing goes week after week uh, of the Colts losing games, and we need to know, you know, if you lose 23-20 and it's a last-second field goal to somebody, it's understandable. If Baker Mayfield comes in here and you lose to Tampa Bay 37-10, uh, we know what you know. those are going to be two different Monday shows. But for me, yes, it's, it's, it's jubilation. You know, I started out with, you've been through family vacations and everything else, but it's true. I mean, church begins on, well, kind of Thursday night, but it begins on Sunday. People getting together to watch the NFL and to watch the Colts, and it's a new start. It's a fresh start, but it's also a start that's going to take some time. The story of this offseason has been no Jonathan Taylor, three, now four wide receivers, a running back room uh, that is iffy at best, an offensive line that badly, badly needs to get the taste out of their mouth on last year. So how many of these wrongs can they write? You know, what do you want to see? We can go through all those questions, but to me... You know, if if you know, can the can the good feelings, can the play and the growth of Anthony Richardson, KB, kind of outweigh the reality? And the reality is, it's a double digit loss team, probably. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, certainly. I mean, what the over under is six, six and, and a half. half. So I, I guess, yeah. I mean, even if you go to seven, you'd be a seven and ten football team there. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Pacers have kind of. Uh, what they did over the last couple of seasons has maybe gotten Colts fans ready for like, hey, it's not all about these wins and losses. And I get the that the NBA world's a little bit different than the NFL world. But I think considering how rare this kid is at quarterback, I, I would like to think the Colts fans can live in a season where it is about his development. And I know they go, you know, call it soft, call it against everything that we should believe in from a competitive atmosphere and all of those things. But I think a large dose is the reality of where you're at right now as a a franchise. So I think we can get into, again, what you want to see from Richardson specifically in this season. And then I still think, and it's a bit of a shame we haven't had the chance to get to the other topics, but there are, I would say, a good handful of other storylines that are critical, critical to the future Mm -hmm. of this franchise. Yes, Richardson is atop that list without, without a doubt, but whether it's the the quitty pay Bernard Ryman you know second and third years for them and, and how vital it is that they try to entrench themselves at those positions is it Michael Pittman showing that he is some sort of a number one wideout to your point about the offensive line their ability to bounce back Shane Steichen is trying to do what a lot of NFL head coaches I think have walked into a job thinking they can do and then realizing they can't do it. And Nick Sirianni being one of those mm-hmm. a few years ago and saying, I can't be the play caller and the head coach that's and the guy that, yeah. that's in the quarterback's ear 24-7. Steichen feels like he can do that. Uh, how does that look for him? Uh, you know, Guys like Kenny Moore and Shaq Leonard, they've been such mainstays throughout their Colt 10 years. What's left in the tank for those two as they reach, I think, critical points in their contracts and in their, in their career? So... Um, it, it's a ton that we can get into all week long. And then you look at Sunday, and why is the home team 111 straight in this matchup? <laughs> you know, Jacksonville's missing their their booking left tackle. Is there any hope? Is there any prayer? Weird things happen in openers. You could say collegiately, we might have seen that last night with what Duke did to, uh, did to Clemson. Is there any chance the Colts are able to finally win, win an opener coming into Sunday? Yes, we need to line up. We need to have Mark uh, write these down or I can write these down. If uh, if people can, I don't know, te- I mean, they, you, you've given your email out, but 
or not your email, your cell phone number. I'm sure you don't want to do that today. But we, I, I want, I want, I want questions for people uh, from people. What's the most likely scenario on Sunday? What do you want to see from Anthony Richardson? It's How are we going half, right? to evaluate? Well, and then, and then the other thing that I love, and I know we're up against a break here, is uh, I mean Jacksonville. If you're Indianapolis, you could ever win this game. I mean Jacksonville is as big of a sweetheart in the NFL as just about anybody, aren't they? Besides, like the really good teams, like you take you take Philly and you take Kansas City. It's probably and, the, them and, or the Lions. Right, the yeah, it, it, I would say absolutely in the NFC, it's the Detroit Lions and Man Campbell, who is just a man filled with football. He only knows ball. He only knows the Duke KB. Uh, and then on the AFC side, it's no doubt it's Jacksonville, and they walk in here. And, you know, if Indy can hang in the game if they can win the game. Uh, that would be funny. I, I, I don't sever. By the way, I don't like like ten Jacksonville fans coming up for this game, and I've already got the hey, uh, hey, uh, you, you have access to any tickets? My guys, I've been here for a month. I've been here for three and a half, four weeks. You guys are already asking me for NFL tickets. Well, they already made the trip, so they have to have some idea of that they're going to the game. That's only an hour and a half away. They're they're from the Louisville area. It's only an hour and a half away. Yeah, they're not from Jacksonville. They want to help they're not you from move Jacksonville. First. I should do that. I should do that. You have a little painted picture over there. What do you have? Oh yeah, this is yeah something. Did your, Rosie, did your daughter? Uh, yeah, Rosie color made that? this over the weekend. Yeah, okay. I, I, I try not to waste paper. I'm I was like, about you know to what? say. I don't think Rosie's. You're gonna using lose. it for notes on Shane Steichen. <laughs> don't think Rosie's going to lose too much sleep over this. I thought it was actually. A Decent uh, coloring by by her here. Little crayon, little little marker as yeah. well. Little Labor Day coloring. There pretty you good go. Yeah. Purple is Rosie's yeah. favorite color there on that. Good and color. yeah, this is pretty much what, what what the Bowen family was all about here over the weekend. Uh, all right, as Andy said, Bob Kravitz going to join us coming up at 8.15 to say he is taking the under on the Colts win total <laughs> of this season would be an understatement. Uh, Joel Erickson joins us at 9. I don't think... Ooh, I guess there was one report of a veteran running back visiting the Colts over the weekend. Uh, I don't know if we have any sort of upcoming deadline with Jonathan Taylor. There is something I want to throw at Joel um, about this week, Taylor-related, um, as we get ready for week one and we see if Zach Moss is going to be indeed ready to go or if it's going to be the Deion Jackson-Evan whole show. We'll talk a little IU and Purdue, and how about Deion Sanders oh, in yeah. Colorado we'll get to it. from opening Weekend, A lot to get to here on this Tuesday morning back from the holiday weekend. Hope everybody had a great and safe Labor Day. And thanks for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Yeah, it, so it's the least important thing that we could bring up, but didn't you two knuckleheads have a uh, some sort of uh, another beer bet that Mark and his cubbies won? Uh-huh. I don't recall it. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, he tweeted uh-huh. it out immediately, of course, uh-huh. KB. You knew he would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Convenient that you So forgot. what is it? Another another six-pack? Yeah. So this was yeah. at the beginning of August, and we had agreed that the Reds and Cubs had, what, eight games left to play against each other, two series, and so we said winner. Yeah. I think it was seven, seven, right? It, it, it was an was odd it number, seven? wasn't so it? So then the Reds won the first one. One and I was, you're like seven left. Let's make a case of beer bet. And I said, okay, fine. <laughs> Came down to the last game. It did. It that was a wild series. Uh-huh. Reds and Cubs from over the weekend. Some ninth inning drama, like none. It's actually a split. Which for the Reds right now, that seems to be. That was a great thing for actually, the Reds. Actually, a decent thing. And thank you to the Cubs for helping out the Reds yesterday. You're um, welcome. Justin Steelmark. Woo. 
Mark, you could have your Give cubbies. Him the Cy Young. They could have ended the Reds this weekend. That's the story. And well, KB all last week. It's make or break, and it's literally not right. make or break. But the Reds Split, are baby. tied. They are tied for the final wild card with Arizona. Reds Cubs winners still yesterday. On that 6-3. NL Central door. They are Just two and a half back of Brewers the Brewers. Lost. Yeah, Justin Steele yesterday. Eight innings, twelve strikeouts, yeah. two hits allowed. Uh, d- darn impressive um, by the Cubs. So Mark hat tip, and yeah, I guess I've got to head back to the liquor store for losing another Mark Dykton bet. I think you guys need to, to step it up a notch with the beer, too. I mean, no offense. I had four no, I PBRs. The Oktoberfest was, uh, was October a solid Oktoberfest wasn't too bad. I enjoyed the you said, it was the a ca- you said it was a case of beer. That's a whole different thing. Or you well, just, whoa, whoa, a case. That's what you said because it said seven <laughs> games. You said bigger bet. That's what you said. You guys, you, I will find the audio. I'll find the audio I'm on sure that. I'm will. You have to go back to the skimmer and find the audio. I don't know if I... I recall no, I'll, I'll find <laughs> saying that uh, from over the weekend again college football Indiana Purdue both lose their openers like I said the opener in all seriousness I thought Indiana defensively and really in the yeah. trenches I thought they actually played fairly well but boy that it's offense just, just take a fork to your oh. eyeballs trying to watch any sort of passing game with that they will now play on Friday night Tom Allen was as a former high school football coach pretty fired up about uh, the Big Ten uh, slotting Indiana into that matchup <laughs> coming up on Friday with Indiana State Purdue travels to Blacksburg um, it had the feel Andy watching that on Saturday like who's going to have the ball last and fortunately for the Boilers um, they just could not stop Fresno State at all. Hudson Card had some moments, but the offensive line play and that defense, some issues there. And that's one that you, you pointed out. Uh, that's an important yeah. one to get if you want to try and cling to that six win number. Yeah, they're not good. They're not making a bowl game, right? You don't make a bowl game and do that. Duke winners last night, twenty eight to seven. What's happened to Dabo Sweeney? Called it a he called it a weird game. Excuse me, I know a couple coaches are complaining about the clock not stopping. They're so used to that. Chip Kelly complained about that, but but Duke should have won this game. I mean, they could have won this game 38 to 7. Clemson's lucky that that score is as nice as it is at just 28 to 7. Duke dominated that game. Should Absolutely. I be worried about Notre Dame having a three-game stretch of Ohio State, Duke, and USC coming up? Well, yeah. I mean, I think Duke's, uh, you know, even if they're a 7-5 and five team, or, you know, listen, they're a bowl team. I don't know how much more than a bowl team. I'm giving them 7-5. and five. I mean, that's better than the Duke team that's usually on, on your schedule, right? We'll talk Dion and the Buffaloes coming oh. up here in just seconds. Also from the weekend, it was a very fitting way to put the cherry on top of one of the best IndyCar seasons you're ever going to see. Alex Pol- wins out in Portland. Uh, it has been just a dominant, dominant season of consistency and winning for Pelot. So he wins in Portland, wraps up the season series. One race left. That will be Laguna Seca coming up this Sunday for IndyCar. Yeah, two quick ones for me. Fever down to their last three tonight, hosting Chicago at 7 o'clock. And then KB, we'll talk about, you know, we probably won't talk about this until the game is, and I don't even know know the next game, but Team USA lost in basketball over the weekend, 85-73. Yeah, they tip uh, here in an hour, right? Do they in an hour? What a disgusting, did you watch that? A disgusting performance. Uh, Yeah, I saw Lithuania made their first nine threes of the game. It was brutal. Yeah, Uh, Lithuania, excuse me, that's who it was. Fortunately, 
tied for the U.S. Oh. That game really didn't matter. Uh, now they are in the final eight. That was more for just seeding standpoint. So it's Italy today for the United States. If they win, potentially a Daniel Tice, Tyrese Halliburton matchup here in the semifinals. So uh, 840 tip for the United States as they uh, wrap up their play here in the World Cup. All right, on the other side again, we'll get to Dion and that storyline from college football this weekend and take a look ahead to Sunday. It is the Colts and Jags kicking off the 2023 season. What do we want to see from Anthony Richardson here? And will there be any movement on that running back front as the Colts reportedly worked out a former 1,000-yard rusher? over the weekend. It's a nice start to this Tuesday here in Indianapolis. Thanks for tuning in to the Wake Up Call. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. KB and Andy here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. I love it. Mark waking everyone up. A little drop D guitar. How about that on a, on a Tuesday to get you ready? The Labor Day weekend. Hopefully everyone had a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, it is game week and it feels like to me here uh, you know as we talk on the fan on this Tuesday, it feels like the number one and number two picks in the upcoming draft are already settled with Caleb Williams and Drake May. <laughs> it's just, it's whoever you want at one and whoever's left over at two. Uh, obviously a big weekend of college football, but it's all Colts as we get ready for week number one against Jacksonville. Uh, what do you want to see if you're a fan? Uh, you and your buddies going to the game. You and the family going to the game. You and the misses. If not, what's the Sunday uh, What you know? What's the Sunday lineup? What's on the menu? Is it just drinking on the couch all day? I'm always interested in how people uh, watch football on their big weekends. KB, before the break, you teased the Colts had someone in uh, working out a former 1,000-yard running back. Tell the people who that is. Yeah, James Robinson. Um, he has been reported a visit for him to Indianapolis. So we continue to see the Colts monitoring that veteran running back market a little bit more. Shane Sykin has been... You know, pretty Shane Steichen-y and his answers about Zach Moss coming up for Sunday. You know, we're hopeful. Um, you know, has he been clear for contact? Will he actually practice on Wednesday? You know, it's one of those things with Moss. He breaks his arm a little bit over a month ago. And he, he said yesterday, while... Yes, lately he's been able to do some conditioning because it's an upper body injury, not a lower body injury. It's not like he could be running those first couple of weeks after he suffered that broken arm. So exactly where he's at, I don't think it's a slam dunk by any means that he plays on Sunday. But tomorrow will be, I think, a much better gauge of that. Um, And again, I don't want to harp on this too much. But something I do want to ask Joel Erickson when he joins us at 9. If you go back to... The training camp press conference to start things off with Chris Ballard. I asked him a question of, would you be open to doing in-season contract extensions? And that was a question in regards to Jonathan Taylor. And at that point, he said yes. Now, that obviously differs a little bit from the new tone of four-win season last year. Mm -hmm. We're not doing that. But he brought up Grover Stewart. That was a name that they did you know, several years ago now in-season. But Andy, for the most part, the contract extensions the Colts have done on the Taylor timeline right before the final year of your rookie deal, 
This is the last week they've done them. Naheem Hines was a final week of the of the offseason, if you will, this first week of September. Quentin Nelson fell into this group. Ryan Kelly a few years ago fell fell into this this time frame here, this September 5th-ish time frame. So again, I'm not expecting anything, but I I think this is the one last-ditch effort if all of a sudden you have a change of heart. And who knows? Maybe, I mean, Grover Stewart, Michael Pittman, they are two guys that could be up for an extension as well. I'm not holding my breath for it, but I just wanted to point that out. A uh, little update on James Robinson, by the way. Again, 1,000-yard rusher as an undrafted free agent for Jacksonville a couple years ago. He tore his Achilles in the 2021, near the end of that season, and frankly, he has never sniffed being the same running back since then. Uh, bounced around. Trade to the Jets. Bounced around this offseason with your Giants and the Patriots as well. Yeah, I think uh, James Robinson, uh, d- him visiting the Colts does absolutely nothing for, for me at, at all. I mean, at one point... See Kenyon I- Drake to you? Uh, I would rather have Kenyon Drake. And I know this is a name that has the off-the-field issue, so I can understand. I would rather have Kareem Hunt than James Robinson. If you made me pick between those two, I don't want to say bottom of the barrel, but you know, there's only so many NFL-competent free agent running backs out there. If you gave me the option, uh, option between James Robinson and Kareem Hunt, I would take Kareem Hunt over James Robinson. I, I, I'm with you. James Robinson was a nice player in Jacksonville, and then he got injured in KB, then it ended. I mean, he signed and got a little bit of money uh, from the Patriots. I mean, he didn't even make it close to to any of their plans. The Giants the same way. The Jets needed a running back, and he never... I mean, those are are a couple teams that needed needed offensive weapons. To me, James Robinson is no better. In fact, he's probably worse than what you had. I, I mean, to me, you have these three running backs. Who knows what happens in the next four weeks with Jonathan Taylor? To me, that's what you're all with. Well, Unfortunately, Andy, and I don't know, maybe this is too harsh. A torn Achilles is a death sentence. Oh, it's a terrible injury, yeah. For no. a running back. I he, mean, was a good, de- he was a good player. I, I go back to Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, a thousand yard season yeah. in 2018, um, or 2019, one of those years. Comes back, has a really nice start to the season, tears Achilles in Jacksonville, actually, and just never, never was the same runner after that. And he has tried to do the bouncing around to random spots. I want to say it was Arizona earlier this offseason, and it has not worked out at all. Looking at the Sunday again, obviously we're going to see Anthony Richardson in the starting lineup. For me, Andy, we could get into okay, what you know, what's his accuracy look like? The amount of big plays does he create? Those sorts of things. For me, what I love about throwing him into the fire is now you can't script anything outside of the first play of the game. Nothing can be scripted. The kid gloves are off. It's all right. You throw an interception. How do you respond? Uh, you're down four with the ball, and there's two thirty to go. How do you respond? You know, you're you're at your own twenty with ninety seconds to go in the game. How do you respond to that? Um, hostile road environment. What is it? Baltimore, I think, is early in the oh, year. Yeah. How do you handle that? Those are the things that I think I'm going to point to again. More than the wins and losses, more than the box score statistical notion to him. It's what does he look in those moments? Because third down, fourth quarter, two minute. Those are how we eventually evaluate all of these guys. At some level, you got to be a pretty darn good quarterback to become one of the 32 starters in the NFL. But what separates you? And those are the moments I think I'm going to be circling with Richardson. Again, experiencing those moments. We fall into the trap, and I probably do it way too often, of just comparing the Colts to the Pacers because they're in our market. 
the Pacers were a team a few years ago that they would get in those uh, you know clutch game situations. I forget how the NBA actually defines it. It's like within five points in the mm-hmm. final yeah. four or five minutes. I know what you're minutes. talking about, yeah. The Pacers got used to being in those moments. They had a horrible season in those moments, but then the next year they bounced back and they were a much better team. So for Richardson, I think that's what you want to see. Exposure to being in some of those situations, and then how does that progress from September to October to November, etc., etc. Obviously looking ahead to 2024, but that's what I'm looking for. That opener in Buffalo, when when he throws the pick and he's got to bounce back from that. Uh, The Week 3 preseason game in Philly, they go three and out, they get way behind the chains in that first drive. Okay, how do you bounce back from that? Those are the moments that I think is just so important for him to feel and experience here uh, with the live bullets flying. On the pressure, I love that the live bullets flying. That that that's a football term. You're you're in football yeah, mode right is. now. When you say that, I know that you're in football Did mode. I binge NFL films. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Here's Steichen yesterday talking about Anthony Richardson and that pressure for week one. Multiple private conversations about life and everything, and I'll I'll keep those private, but uh, they've been really good. He's in a great mindset. Uh, He's got great support around him, and uh, just looking forward to his future. Boy, he, he's exciting, isn't he? Isn't he? We have five seconds of Zach Moss. I thought about playing when you were talking about him. We have Steichen four and a half seconds on Zach Moss. Uh, Richardson <laughs> of Florida, Andy. He averaged eight and a half per carries a game. I think if you look at last year, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields yeah. sniffed around ten. What? Where would you go for the amount? Because that run I, balance, yeah, I, I would think go will a little bit. I would probably go a little bit under. Here's the thing: if you're here's the thing: if you're under under fan. the eight and a half, yeah, I'll go eight. I'll go under. Eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, if he breaks one, if he breaks one out, I mean, he's gonna go over. Let me just, you know, there, there is. Here is where I'm stuck, KB. I need you guys' help. Mark, you help me as well. Sure. Well, there is. There is, you know, we're going to Bob Kravitz on at 8.15. And I think Bob is living in a, in a pretty realistic world that he thinks this is like a two or three win football team. Yeah, okay? He's got Marvin Harrison he, Jr. coming he, in. Yes, he does. By the way, Marvin Harrison Jr. two catches against Indiana. Uh, he will not be taken second overall. Caleb Williams and Drake May are going, oh. they are going one and two. So if the Colts have the second pick, no? Uh, if the Colts have the second pick, they'll be. I mean, they can take whoever they want. Uh, I, I would think they would trade that, but we can. We have many months. Don't let's not get into NFL draft <laughs> talk. It's not even day week one. You know, this is. We've talked about the losses, and I can come at this from a negative standpoint, KB. The other side of this, and listen, they're going to lose games, and they may be, Anthony Richardson may be dazzling on Sunday, and they still lose the game, right? He may be really good, and I think that's the thing is... There is an opportunity that we come in here in six days. That we come in here the next Monday, all right? And it may be a loss, but we're talking about Anthony Richardson and the flashes that he's shown and that maybe, just maybe, okay? And it might take some time. Again, I'm just throwing this out there that win or loss after week one, Anthony Richardson is one of the talks of the NFL. That we turn on ESPN, that we turn on, we have the NFL network and front of us and everything else, KB, and we sit back and we say, okay, besides, you know, maybe the big upset that happened, maybe there's a big time injury, maybe Mahomes, of course, throws for, you know, 519 yards, whatever it is, but there is a chance when you line up the top NFL storylines that Anthony Richardson is one of those, and it's been a couple quarterbacks since you've had, since you've had that here in Indianapolis, and so, like, that's the other side of it, and when you say taking the kid gloves off... I feel like other than 
a couple stretches in Philadelphia when you're playing the twos, when you're playing the twos and the threes in the final preseason game there in Philly, I don't feel like we know anything. I mean, haven't they haven't well, they kind yeah. of hid? I mean, don't you feel like they've hid seventy five percent of what this kid might be able to do? Well, the the Colts have done a little bit of hiding, like. But also, look at the opponent in the preseason. You know, when you think about your starting unit, I think your starting unit played nine series together in the preseason. So Richardson led the starters for nine series. They faced backups all nine of them. Yeah, Chicago. And then, well, oh, no, Chicago, Chicago was the practice. no one played. But yeah, yeah. But yeah Bu- Buffalo, Buffalo and Philly. We're all backups in Philly, all backups. And the same thing for your starting defense. Your starting defense, I think, was out there for about six series. They didn't face, you know, Josh Allen in Buffalo or Jalen Hurts in, in, in Philly. So, I mean, you have the unknown. I think Shane Sykin, to the earlier question about eight and a half carries, I think Shane Sykin's a dude that says, injury risk, who cares? I'm running that dude. Like, I, I think Anthony Richardson is going to be running. And, again, the balance of that will certainly be something to keep an eye on. I don't think Richardson's a guy that just, like, panic ensues around him and he immediately takes off. I think he knows his gifts and he knows that it's advantageous to certainly use that. And the flip side will be, it's not like Philly and Buffalo were spying him. You know, I assume Jacksonville will do something of that nature coming up on Sunday. And I remember saying this back in May when the schedule came out, and I don't know, a lot of people probably look at a four and a half point spread on Sunday and think, man, that's it? Mm-hmm. Jacksonville's only favored by four and a half. Oh, Jacksonville, I mean, you have to think the money on Sunday morning when people wake up and they want to throw, you know, they throw $100 in the DraftKings or, or whatever, <laughs> that they're going to look at that and say, Jacksonville, four and a half, Indianapolis stinks. Yeah, let's go ahead. Now, the Colts right? offensive coordinator is Jim Bob Cooter, and he comes from Jacksonville from last mm-hmm. season. And I do think that is something that should be advantageous. That Jacksonville staff... Um, is the exact same from a coordinating play-calling standpoint offensively and defensively from last year. So that, I think, is something that should help Anthony Richardson and knowing personnel, knowing some tendencies. Obviously, week one, things can change a little bit. uh, But I do think that is something uh, to keep an eye on. You you brought up Marvin Harrison Jr. earlier. uh, Two catches for him. Uh, If you are an Indiana football fan today, are you feeling good about Saturday? No, I thought Saturday was disgusting. No, so I'm a no. So you don't go into the, we held Marvin to two catches, we held Ohio State to 23 points, it was 7-3 and a half, or what was it, 10-3? I think they gifted him three points there right before the end of the half. You don't go with, nope, I like what the defense showed. No, I mean, the defense, listen, the defense played great if you're IU. I, I, I mean, it did, but the offense, not one second did you have a chance to win that football game. Because of, because of the quarterback play. I mean, I don't know what it is, but you're Tom Allen, and you are fighting, uh, I would say, for your life uh, to stay at this level as a head coach. And we know he's going to stay this year next year because his buyout's $20 million, and then it goes down after the 24th season. But it's 2023, KB, and you can't throw a forward pass. I, I mean, it's it's it was embarrassing. And, then the, and the, it's not Navy. Yeah and, then the, yeah, and then the offensive coordinator comes out after the game and is like, yeah, you know, maybe we we stuck into our game plan too long, and eventually you got to take a shot. It's 
like, yeah, eventually you got to be able to throw the ball eight yards down the field. Like, I feel like they could not complete a pass against high school teams in the area. Eight yards? I would have taken eight. How do you? Eight how do you? How do you get? Yeah. How do you get to that point that your defense is playing their ass off and you have court? I mean, you're trying to like they had they had that third and five. You were playing conservative football. It's a third and five at the end of the half, and you don't even do like a creative run. Yeah, that was you some just, really you poor just, clock. You just run it up the middle. And it's like okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna run and then, the then football, they go for it on fourth down, and then yeah, Gabe and then, Ohio State yeah, that short and then, field. Yeah, and then you go for it on fourth down, and the defense again plays great to allow that to just be three points. But in a game where every point mattered, and that's how you felt that you were going to be ultra conservative. Well, you, you you run the clock there and you punt. You don't gift them what should have been probably a touchdown. I just I mean, I mean to me, you're watching that you're an Indiana game, and the defense is fine. But it's same old it's same old Indiana. It's same, it's same old Tom Allen. You know, I tweeted out, and I, I need to look this up. I mean, ever since Basilak was out, I mean, they're barely breaking 100 yards a game. It's like 100 and change a game throwing the football. It's like, like how many yeah, other teams... you can't teams, do that in 2023. How many other teams that are Army and Navy are having this problem? It's a constipated offense. Yeah, college football teams in the year 2023, they fall out of bed and throw for 250 or 300 yards. Um, it's pretty wild to look at. I think it was... The 10-18 mark. Yeah, 10-18 mark of the second quarter on Saturday to the 142 mark of the third quarter, okay? So the final 10 minutes of the first half, the first, whatever, 13 minutes and change of the third quarter, they didn't complete a pass. Yeah, it's... I mean, in 24 minutes of football, Andy, we watch college football all the time. All you got to do is throw a little swing, and boom, a pass is complete. There's yeah. some extension oh, come on. Yeah. of the run game there. So, again, I want to be like encouraged by the defense. I thought the front seven had a lot of playmaking type of plays. The back end made some nice plays. Again, if you would have told Tom Allen before the game, Tom, Ohio State's going to score 23 points, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have two catches. He'd say, where do I sign up? Right. And then the fact that your offense is just that inept, it's like, you want to be encouraged, but again, offensively, it's like, boy, good thing it's Indiana State on Friday night because I'm not really sure where you're going to have any offers of hope from a from an air standpoint. They look like Navy or Army, and that might be a disservice to the academy. No, they too. would be creative. They would. They to would. Compare yeah, they they would have guys running the motion. I mean, they they try they tried a little bit of that, and just I mean, the whole quarterback thing. I'm not going to name a starter. We thought, well, you know, that's just Tom Allen doing doing what football coaches do, right? Where we'll we'll let Ryan Day know when we run somebody out there the first series. And it's like no. He's not giving you any information on the quarterbacks because the offense because the offense yeah. stinks. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. Here's what I tweeted out: Since Basilak was done uh, injured there in Bloomington last year, uh, the Hoosiers have had five games. In those five games since Connor ba- uh, Basilak, excuse me, the Hoosiers have thrown for 113 yards per game. Two of those games, they didn't reach 100 yards passing. Like you could throw a swing pass, a guy breaks a tackle, and you get 12 yards. <laughs> I think they like they can't even do that. No, again, this is 2023. It's, it's, this is not ridiculous. Well, I mean, like the, the reason I don't KB look at the defense, it played well, but the other parts of the team are so bad that you don't have a chance to win. If the defense were playing that way, and you're like, well, okay, don't, don't be bad and boring. Like w- w- when I was at IU, they were bad, but at least they scored. And like. It, who was the quarterback when you were there? Maybe that's a Chappell? low bar. Ben Chappell. Oh, yeah. Kellen Lewis early on. I know a girl that dated Ben Chappell. How about that? Look at 
that. You like that? One degree of separation <laughs> from a Bloomington icon. What a terrible name drop at 750 on game week. I, again, it's a low bar, but like this is the reality of where you're living in the state. And I don't know, maybe like Purdue fans feel even oh. worse about losing an opener, but... I don't know. I watched the Purdue game. I'm like, oh, no, at least they, they have scored a new 35 no, points. They have a new coach, and they can throw the ball down the field. And I know the opponent, a obviously, is, is totally different. But if you're going to be bad, being boring on top of that, that just gets more people to the exits by halftime. Uh, do you want to hear Prime's uh, Deion Sanders, Boy, his pump-up no, speech? Hey, no you need guys to go to this? church this weekend. You just listen to Deion, right? <laughs> Mark, have you heard this yet? Yeah. Oh, you have heard it. Okay, so ev- everyone has heard it. Uh, I, listen, I don't mind bending the knee. Game of Thrones style. I'll bend the knee. Dion, who ruined my childhood, went out there, and I was hoping he was going to lose. And they went out there, KB, and were all swagged out. And his son's thrown for 500 yards. And Travis Hunter, who no one saw last year because no one watched. Where was he at? Jackson State? No one watched their football games. And Travis Hunter's the best player on the field. Here's the pregame speech from Prime. Usually God gave me a word long before this, but he's been holding it. Because it's not about them. This is about us. This has nothing to do with the team that's opposing us. This is about us. This ain't got nothing to do with the naysayers, the the unbelievers, the haters, the doubters. This is about us. When we started this journey, we told you it was going to be trying. It was going to be tough. But you endured because it's about us. That man next to you is a miracle. That man next to you is a believer. That man next to you is a go-getter. That man next to you is a dog. That man next to you is somebody who wants this thing. That man next to you is somebody who believes. That man next to you is somebody that gots to have it today. We ain't got tomorrow. We got now. We ain't got next. We got now. We ain't coming no more. Find out exactly what that theme music is. We need to play that during the show. Would they have beat the Chiefs after that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The Book of Prime, right there. No need to go to church. Just, just listen to Travis Hunter, Andy. I mean, that dude, he's ridiculous. Again, in in today's day and age, you just don't see. Even in my lifetime, Andy, your life, like no. I mean, I guess you go back to Charles Woodson. Remember Chris Gamble at Ohio State? Chris Gamble. There's just not a lot of players that go two ways, let alone in whatever that temperature was in Texas. It's 103 on the field. I mean, that is at at noon kickoff, and he is playing 120 some snaps and's got 11 catches and. That was just a hell of an interception. And boy, Dion's son. I mean, oh, yeah. I, obviously Dion gets all of the post-game hype and we're playing that audio. But that kid, I'm like, that dude is going to be playing on Sundays. But he was a high four-star. I mean, he had, right, right, right. He, he had legit offers. And, and, yeah. and I probably did a disservice of just not paying enough of the offseason attention. I know Riley Leonard from, from Duke was one of these guys of, it's all Caleb Williams and it's all Drake May. If you look at some of these quarterback lists for the 2024 draft, potentially after that, guys like Dion's kid, guys like Riley Leonard, mm-hmm. you know, some of these guys that are not going to be going one or two, but in a draft of such generation of what you think Caleb Williams and Drake May are, all of a sudden it's like, damn, 
There's some other guys. Oh, I'm be- listen. That I'm bending. Are going to make a name for themselves. I'm bending the knee to prime, to prime on this one. I, I mean, we'll see how they do. They have they have Nebraska at home this weekend. Nebraska just got done. You know what I think of Matt Rule? They just got done scoring ten points against Minnesota. I mean, he. I mean, if they if they go out there and score forty two against Nebraska, there ain't no way in hell that Nebraska is going to be able to keep with them. How about the Pac-12 going undefeated? How about the SEC stumbling a little the bit? The only too? Power Five conference to go undefeated is that the one is the one with two schools. <laughs> the one left that in everyone's it. leaving, and they're leaving to go uh, and join conferences literally across the country. Brian Kelly and Dabo losing on the same Ooh. weekend. I think we all can cheers to that on this Tuesday morning, right? And, and losing uh, I, 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 in, in the fashion yeah, that I, they did. I like Brian Kelly more than you do. Oh, is that it? There you go. Imagine. Every <laughs> Yin-Yang twins. Every sales meeting in the world should be playing this today to kick off <laughs> back from Labor Day. You're going to be hit the quarter quota by noon today. Coach oh, of Prime, or Book of Prime. Book of Prime needs to be the name of the hour you imagine on the Colorado? podcast. All right, we're going to have a sermon after the game. How many people are hanging around for, for, for Dion here? Place will be filled. They, the sold, well, they, they sold out season tickets. Uh, Bob Kravitz, he joins us in uh, about 20 minutes here uh, to say he'd be not high on the Colts' win-loss. Total for this season would be an understatement. Joel A. Erickson coming at the top of the hour. Thank you for tuning in. It's the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy here on 93.5-1075. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you the fan yeah that's getting me ready the best damn interview with bob kravitz you've ever heard in your entire life kb i think i'm gonna play this before (laughs) bedtime tonight just kind of get me yeah bedtime for the kids (laughs) okay get me pumped up (laughs) maddie i'm gonna go outside i just gotta listen to a song here for about three minutes just get me in a, in a solid mood. Get you in the zone. To potentially the get them down to bed. Like, yeah. What is that guy A decent hour. Maybe that? drive around the block. <laughs> Stand up and get from. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, we're hanging out with you, KB and Andy. The wake-up call uh, in the DriveHubler.com studios. That's Prime's music, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's not KB's. Coming up uh, in about 12 minutes or so, Bob Kravitz will join us. He'll tell you why he has them uh, as a two- or three-win team coming up on Sunday. You heard the promo there as well. 10 a.m. coverage beginning all the post-game coverage. We got you locked right here uh, on the fan as it's game one for the Indianapolis Colts. I say this in all seriousness, Andy. There's one position group for the Colts that if they show up in a big way on Sunday, I think you're going to get some pretty competitive moments late in the game. Uh, that would be the Colts' defensive line. I do think Jacksonville okay. from a Trevor... Again, Trevor Lawrence might be the best quarterback the Colts will see all year at Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, he he very well could be that. Again, it's not a great list of quarterbacks. Um, I think their wideout core is from 1-4, to 1-5, to probably one of the best in the league. They don't have maybe the stud, but they've got a lot of, like, if you're putting your third corner on Calvin Ridley or Christian Kirk, you know, that's not going to be an ideal situation. But again, they do not have their left tackle, Cam Robinson, suspended first four games, I think, PEDs. It's not a great offensive line to begin with. And without him, you know, this is a time for the Colts' defensive line, which is heavily, heavily invested in draft picks and money, to show up and control that line of scrimmage. And if you can do that, let's get away from Richardson. I mean, Richardson's got nothing to do with your D-line showing up and playing well. I think too many times that Colts' defensive line has just been, you know, okay. I like to see more playmaking 
from that unit. No, they, get, they need to get a strip sack or something like that. Yeah, a consistent short field. pressure. I yeah, mean, if they you look need at, something. If you look at Lawrence in the two matchups last year, Andy, I think he completed, I think the number was 86% of his passes. And sure, your back end plays into that, but I think you need, you need more disruption from your front. Trevor Lawrence can't be going 20 of 22 and 25 of 30 or whatever the two numbers were in the respective games last season. If your D-line can take advantage of a depleted Jacksonville O-line, then that's where I look at a spread of four and a half and think, okay, um, that can be in play certainly late in the game. Okay, so the matchup in, let me see here, the the first matchup. Oh boy, uh, that was da, da, the route, right? Well, yeah, that was the route, 24 nothing. He was 25 of 30, 235 uh, in a couple touchdowns. So he was solid, didn't have to put up the massive numbers. Obviously, the game wasn't close. And then the second matchup, 20 of 22, just a buck 65, did have a couple uh, touchdowns on the ground, but that's the game, obviously, the Colts won 34 to 27. It's just, it's that completion percentage, Andy, that is just beyond absurd. I mean, like 20 of 22 and 25 of 30, like that is, that's seven on seven numbers of training camp. And that has been such a constant issue for the Colts. I've felt this way, no matter if it's the Eberflus era or now the Gus Bradley era, their passing game does not disrupt enough. And you can disrupt in two areas. Obviously your corners and your secondary can do it on the back end, but your front can do it. Your front can get Trevor Lawrence off off his spot and, and uh, create havoc for him. And on paper, that should be an area the Colts are better in when you consider all the investment they have into that D-line versus Jacksonville minus Cam Robinson. So I know the Richardson storyline and how Shaquille Leonard looks and what the running back rotation for the Colts, all of that is going to dominate the headlines. But if you want to look ahead to Sunday at 1 o'clock, if that Colts D-line can control things, then maybe Trevor Lawrence does not have the field day that he has you know, had from a consistency well, standpoint I, recently. I'll go a step forward. I think you can look at the defensive line, and if you made me choose a non-Anthony Richardson conversation, uh, I, I think the defensive line would be pretty high on the list. You need to protect young corners. Okay, so how do you protect young corners? Right. right? Uh, you put Jacksonville behind the sticks, and you also do what? You also create havoc around Trevor Lawrence. Can the defensive line do that. I'm totally with you. And then, I mean, just for me, unless the corners make a play, and there's no doubt that they could, giving giving that short field. We talked about it with Indiana giving a short field to Ohio State. Ohio State gets a field goal in that game. That was a big deal. Like Those are the sorts of things. You get a strip sack, suddenly Anthony Richardson is first and 10 at the 36-yard line. And that's different. You know, that's not having to go 75-80 yards. Tell me you saw what, Uh-oh, what happened. Tell me you saw what Michigan did to start the game to honor Harbaugh. Oh, it's on unbelievable. Saturday. It's like he died. Yeah, they did like a salute. Like, uh, what's the Jennifer Lawrence movies where they do the salute? The Hunger Games? Remember they put the they put the fingers in the air for the Hunger Games? That's what Michigan did. I'll be honest with you. I thought I was seeing things. All of a sudden, Michigan lines up like single file. Yeah. Single, single file. Single file. Breaks the huddle. They all hold up the number four. I, I assume we're referencing Harbaugh's number at Michigan. I'm like, for, yeah, to your point, my first thought was, did he die? Did I miss this? Is he in the hospital? That would be a big story if Jim Harbaugh passed away. So yes. next week, are we going moment of silence before the game starts I think for, you, I for think, Harbaugh? I think you have to. I think you have to. Maybe they take a knee. Like, again, I'm not going to act like the, 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 the offense was this, just he should be banned from college football. The dude oh. cheated, and your university has self-imposed a ban. Well, he lied to the NCAA, yeah. So, a, yeah. A, 
are we calling out the the school president for that? I'm like, what in the yeah, like who is that against? Yeah, when you do oh a moment God. of silence and you put the four fingers in the air. I was, I was waiting for this song to start playing over the loudspeaker. <laughs> and everyone, turn your attention to the jumbotron from his hospital bed oh. with Tom Crean bedside. Remember Hugh Freeze, Coach be- Harbaugh. Remember Hugh Freeze the, being in that hospital the bed. The Hugh Freeze in the hospital <laughs> bed is the greatest moment in college football history. And I, yes, all did three he have of, a back no, surgery? Listen, yeah, he, what was it? He had a back surgery. He was in like a dentist chair that one time. No, Hugh, Hugh Freeze. You know he can't control his Twitter. Did he have the visor on from the hospital he did. bed? He did. He waved to Dino Babers, <laughs> the Syracuse coach. At the, Dino Babers. You don't remember that a couple years I, ago? Yeah. He looked at why would you ever remember Syracuse and Liberty football? No, that I, moment I'm, was yeah, unbelievable. But but Dino Babers looked up to the heavens in the press box up there, and they and they gave a big wave. College football. To each other, like nothing. I mean, it is incredible. Oh, it's a drug. No, it's it's complete obsession. Uh, Harbaugh after the game said, "There's uh, no." This was in his press conference. I guess it was Monday, yeah, it was Sunday yeah. or Monday. Harbaugh said, uh, "Said the job of a head coach on game day is to be the guardian of victory." <laughs> he says, "There's no offense. There's no defense. There's a we fence." <laughs> I like I like Harbaugh, but he is he is kind of crazy. Usually you don't want to be on yeah. the fence. That's usually not a thing you want to do. It's a wee fence. Can you imagine <laughs> Dion versus Harbaugh for the college football playoff? Can we can we somehow? I mean, Sonny Dykes, I, he's such well, a nice guy. Colorado, was, Michigan has some history. Do you see Sonny Dykes sucking up to Dion on Saturday, like, giving him a hug and stuff? Like, no. Like, you just lost to him. You're he's 21 like, point favorites. You're three touchdown favorites, man. Pl- please don't take my job. That's what he's saying. Okay, Bob Kravitz going to join us in a few. Um, so we'll adjust some things within this segment here. We usually end things here at the 8 o'clock hour with the morning check down. We'll do that now. We'll still not break after that segment. Um, and we'll just get right into Bob Kravitz after the morning check down. So let's, uh, let's do that before we get to Bob. Yeah, the Reds, they get a split with the Cubbies over the weekend. Then they bounce back yesterday. They beat the Mariners 6-3. to Big win there. Now, after, uh, you know, I mean, after doing what they did over the weekend, uh, tied with Arizona for the final wild card spot, just two and a half back there uh, in the Central, which is crazy. They're back at it tonight at 640. Uh, Mariners are a good team. Your Red Legs hanging in another weekend where hanging they're in. hanging in. Hanging in, Mark. I owe you six-pack. Anything of choice? Uh, I think it's more than six, but that's okay. Yeah, you owe me six. G- gonna have Mark's to find gonna, this audio. I will find that he's audio. going to. Yeah. You think he's not going to find the audio? The rest of my day now. Uh, so you got to pick up your daughter from preschool. Hold on, I'm finding some audio about beer. Cubs just two and a half back in the NL Central. If you're looking to take in a game over at Victory Field here before the season is over, just two home stands left for the Indians. One of them. This week, a lot of 6.35 start times Mm -hmm. here this week over at Victory Field. Um, And you'll get a little Friday firework action in on that. All right, other college football notes from the weekend. You had Brian Kelly and LSU, just a terrible second half from them on Sunday night. Is Florida State, like, should we say college football favorite? I I mean, people thought they were going to win the ACC, so yeah, I'm not surprised. Let me rephrase that. College football playoff, like, they, they should be in the playoff. If you look at their schedule... And what Clemson did last night, 
Oh, they should win the ACC. And if you win, they I have mean, the and they have the better. The, the, the thing is, Jordan Travis, pretty good quarterback. I, I mean, they Clemson would be a doesn't have a quarterback favorite in every game the rest of the season. Maybe not that Clemson game, but I mean that would still be a game that they should be favored in. And then of note, last night if you missed it, um, Clemson just gets absolutely throttled in the second half by Duke in football. Was it Echo? Is that his name? Mike Elko. Elko. People love him, Notre man. Notre Dame defensive coordinator. Yeah, of he, course. Uh, uh, they win by three scores. So Clemson has now lost three of their last four games, and all of them by at least 17 points. And Duke stormed the field last night, too. I mean, I get it, but... Krzyzewskiville turning into Elkoville, yeah, like storming the field week, there. Week one. Uh, oh, I, I'd storm the field after... Every, Notre Dame should have stormed the field after being Tennessee State, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what it, that's team what it, storm the field. <laughs> Your team storm the field, oh, yeah. Oh, even yeah. even oh, Notre, yeah. even Notre Dame after every win, being, being a stuffy every Notre win. Dame. Okay, yeah. Well, if that's you, what they do in the arena. You should leave via the court. Yeah. Uh, Nick Saban does not feel that way. Neither does John Calipari. Both of those guys have lobbied hard for the SEC. Well, let's to, to, uh, can we ask Coach Prime? That's that's where my moral listen, compass is. I'm fine. I have no problem with it. Uh, quickly, coming up in about uh, about 20 minutes or so, Team USA back in action against Italy. We'll be watching that one uh, after the you know the debacle against Lithuania. I mean, they got blown out over the weekend. Come on. Uh, win, win or go home now, right? Oh yeah, this is elimination. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the I, game I, against Lithuania was for seeding purposes here in the Elite Eight, if you will. So now we're down to quarterfinal, semifinal, and final. Can Italy today, and if they win, they will play Germany coming up on Friday. Uh, other note from the weekend, again, in very fitting and deserved fashion, Alex Pillow clinches the IndyCar Season Series with a win in Portland. I mean, certainly Jake can speak to this here coming up at 12 o'clock. From a modern era standpoint, maybe not even a modern era standpoint, one of the more impressive single seasons you will see in IndyCar from Alex Pillow, whether it was just race in, race out consistency, or from winning. He's certainly done a whole lot of that here in the final couple of months. A lot of drama around Alex Pillow over the last 12 months. One thing that has not been any drama, it's been his performances on race day. One more to go, even though, again, everything is clinched from a season series standpoint. It'll be the Laguna Seca coming up on Sunday afternoon for Laguna. Laguna, that's a Laguna Laguna, right? Laguna Beach, yeah. Uh-huh. Kristen Cavallari will be dropping the green flag. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the only. It's the only thing you had. All three of us looked at each other. I we only had the that, same the joke. I was always Team Kristen back in the day. Not uh, it was, was it LC, LC or LC. Lauren. My, my freshman roommate in college was an LC fan. We <laughs> poor Kravitz. We had a bitter rivalry. We divided the room in half. Was there a Heidi as well? <laughs> I don't know. Bob's daughter might have watched the Hills back in the day. Bob, you ever seen the Hills? The Hills? No. Is that one of those things on... Uh, like an FX MTV reality show. I don't know. I figured that your, that your daughter There's might a bunch have watched it back yeah, in the I'm day. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did when she wasn't watching Say Yes to the Dress. <laughs> it's just a bunch of attractive people who are living, you know, great lives at Laguna Beach. And, you know, their lives just look great, basically, Bob. That's all it is. Well, it's, 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 you know, I live that life myself, so I don't really need to watch it on TV. Yeah, Bob is the Hills Fishers yeah. version is what he lives on a daily exactly. basis. And Bob Kravitz, you can find his work over at Substack. Uh, Bob, your latest is on the Colts 2023 season, and is it safe to say you don't think the wins will be too abundant? No, they're they're not going to be good. I think I think you and I have talked about this. I don't know what your win total is, but I think this is going to be a historically bad season. 
for the Colts, and you know, not to be Joe negative, but I looking at it objectively, and I I try to lay out the reasons in my story. Uh, I you know they won three games in uh, 1998 with three Hall of Famers on the offense with Peyton Manning with uh, Marshall Falk and with Marvin Harrison. Uh, this team doesn't have uh, much in the way of uh, future Hall of Famers. The one who might have a chance on offense is uh, currently on the pup list, dealing with that balky ankle of his. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't see a lot of wins. I don't see a very good roster. Um, I see a lot of uh, a real lack of depth throughout the lineup. And I just think, you know, for a rookie quarterback, it's going to be tough, especially a rookie who's played 13 games his entire college career. So I do think it's going to be about a three-win season. And, you know, the whole season is all about getting this kid ready for the future. So it won't be the worst thing in the world. And maybe they get back into the top three position in the draft and, you know, grab a Marvin Harrison or, you know, uh, load up on a trade if they get the first pick and they don't want Caleb Williams, load up in a trade. So they, they got some options. Would 3-14 and 14 cost Chris Bauer his job? I don't think so. I really don't. I, I think uh, everybody knows going in that this is going to be this is going to be rough. Um, I, I think that if there's not uh, progress shown next year, um, I think he would be in trouble um, because, you know, at that point you're hoping that everybody takes a step, especially Anthony Richardson. If they're still god-awful two years from now, I don't see how Ballard survives that. But I, I don't think a bad season this year is going to uh, end up costing him his job. Bob Kravitz with us here. Pay Less Liquors Hotline. It's the fan on a Tuesday game week, getting you set, obviously, for the Colts and Jags at 1 o'clock. Cannot wait for that. Uh, yeah, listen, I think you're in the majority here, Bob. I think even if you say, well, I could win five games or whatever, it's still going to be a rough season. So so how how do we do this here? How, how are you going to do this? We're, me and KB are going to have to figure this out. Fans as well. The balance of, hey, we're not winning games, yet our quarterback could be doing some things that you know that get us excited about the future it's easy to say and what i said this morning bob is then the losses start to add up and then there can be negativity toxicity injuries add up how do you think this will play out with the balance of hey we're losing games but anthony richardson made you know four wild plays against whatever team I just think that people have to, you know, place their focus on, on number five, you know, and I mean, the, the whole idea behind this season is to, to develop him, to get him started on his career. I mean, I remember, I remember being in Cleveland and the, the Dallas Cowboys came in one year with this rookie named Troy Aikman. They were one in 15 that year. I mean, they were brutal. Um, I just think you have to focus on, on, on Anthony Richardson and what he's doing and hope that the rest of the roster, uh, you know, raises its level. I don't know if they will. I just think that this is probably the worst roster in the, in the league aside from maybe the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think I'm being 
I don't think I'm being too tough on him. I just think this is a bad roster. Bob, last one for me on the Colts front. Again, Bob Kravitz with us, bobkravitz.substack.com. Going back to Chris Ballard meeting the media last week, anything in particular that stood out to you in relation to Jonathan Taylor from the Colts GM? Yeah, well, first he says, well, you know, uh, Andrew Luck didn't need an elite uh, running back to have success his first year. I'm like, do not compare Andrew Luck to this kid. Uh, Andrew Luck came in. He had played 40-some-odd college games in a pro system with David Shaw. He was ready the moment he got here. Uh, this kid, you know, God bless him, but he's, he's not ready. You know, we'll find out how ready he is on, on Sunday. But um, So I thought that was weird. And I, I, I the, His whole uh, mantra was, we, well, we won four games last year. And it seemed to be I understood what he was saying was, you know, after four wins, everybody gets gets looked at once again through fresh eyes. But it sounded like he was saying, well, we won four games because Jonathan Taylor didn't have a great season. What people forget is Jonathan Taylor, even though he was hurt and ran for only 800 and something yards, still averaged five yards per carry. So he wasn't a complete loss. But I, I, I just thought, you know, there are reasons why they don't want to pay him. I think a lot of it is Jim Irsay. Uh, I, I, I believe Ballard is on board. I don't think he's doing his bidding for him, but uh, it, it's a strange situation. And uh, I thought that he was trying to calm the waters, extend an olive branch, you know, and suggest that this thing is salvageable, and I, I'm not sure that it is. Bob Kravitz with us. Uh, BobKravitz.substack.com. On the Taylor front, uh, now it's time to hear from him. We'd love to hear his side. The Colts and Chris Ballard went up there. You know, he answered questions for about 30 minutes or so. If you, if you could ask Taylor one question right now, what would it be? Why are you sitting out? How's the ankle? No, my <laughs> first question would be, how's the ankle? Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, you know, uh, what I want to know ultimately, we're not going to find this out. Is what, what, what is he asking for? You know, that's what makes it so hard to place the white hat on one guy and the black hat on the other because we don't know if he's asking for something unreasonable in the in the uh, McCaffrey Kamara range. We don't know if he's asking for fourteen million, twelve million. You know, I. There's no doubt he is horribly underpaid. I mean, for what he has accomplished, be making four point three million this year. Uh, it, that's tough to swallow. And, and the fact that the Colts apparently teams were out there ready to to sign JT, and the Colts said no to the trade return, so he feels like he's being held hostage. So I, I just don't whether that's true or not. I, I think it just adds another layer of enmity to all of this and uh, makes Jonathan Taylor even less enthusiastic about playing for the Colts than before. Okay, Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Bob, you're in Bloomington over the weekend walking out of that stadium. Should IU fans have been encouraged mm. by the defensive effort against Ohio State and Marvin Harrison Jr. or uh, thinking to themselves, our offense look like you know St. Pius's whatever <laughs> cadet right. team trying to move the football? Well, which is surprising because Walt Bell, their offensive coordinator, came out yesterday and said that uh, Soresby and uh, uh, Jackson will someday be thrown in the NFL. Yeah, you know, which is surprising to me because they they were they were so conservative. 
I mean, they didn't take any shots whatsoever in that game. They were playing to beat the spread. Honest to God, they were playing to keep it close. They didn't want to get blown out. And uh, mission accomplished. But, you know, look, I, I would feel good about the defense, for sure. They played lights out. But, you know, can they sustain that, especially with an offense that doesn't seem to have any any creativity? Any, I mean, I, I can't remember a, a single screen, a bubble screen, anything. It was just off tackle and a couple of slants here and there. Um, but it was very, very conservative. And I just... I thought they were playing not to lose badly. Yeah, it was a constipated offense, no doubt, on Saturday. Purdue losers, 39-35 to Fresno State. That's a difficult one if you want to make a bowl game looking at the schedule at Virginia Tech and gets no easier with Syracuse. And then the Big Ten play, at least four, probably going to be five top 25 teams uh, remaining on that schedule. What did you make of Purdue? And to me, you know, I I thought they were right on that 5-6 win line, and that's a rough one on Saturday. That, that's a bad one to lose. I will remind people that uh, Joe Tiller lost his first game to uh, a, a real nothing team. Now, I'm not saying that Fresno's a nothing team. They they won their last nine games uh, in a row last year, so this makes ten in a row for them. So they're pretty good. Um, I What I couldn't understand, the, you know, I kind of went back and forth between the CU game and the Colorado game and the uh, Purdue game. But it seemed like every time I turned it on, they had third and one or fourth and one, and they kept running it up the middle, and they kept getting stuffed. And I thought, I'm no genius when it comes to X's and O's, but at some point, don't you have to try something different? Yeah, especially a banged-up offensive line, too. Right, with with a four-string center and guards who are backups. I didn't understand that play calling whatsoever. Bob, last one from me. More wins this season. Colts, IU, or Purdue? Boy, I'm thinking <laughs> Purdue. I, I still think, uh, you know, somebody said we should make the over-under 12 for total wins <laughs> by IU, Purdue, and, and, and the Colts. Gosh. This is going to be one 12 of 41. Season. <laughs> huh? 12 of 41, right? 17 games for the Colts, then 12 for Purdue and Indiana? That sounds about right, my friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> sounds about right. It's going to be a dreadful season. Um, you know, get, getting back to IU, I mean, is this Tom Allen's swan song? He's got a $20 million buyout at the end of this season. Do people that's care enough to pay that season. buyout? No, it's too much. I don't know. I mean, they bought out, uh, what's his face? Uh, Archie? Uh, Mr. Happy. Archie. Um, yeah, well, they, I mean, yeah, basketball and football are on two different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> in terms of Absolutely. Fandom. And the, it goes down to $7.95 million at the end of next year. So, you know, let's see how this thing goes. But I think 12 is a pretty good over-under for the three local teams, uh, sadly enough. Last one for me. Uh, how did Bob Kravitz experience the Deion Sanders prime time, the win, and then all the hoopla around him over the last couple days? I loved it. You know, I mean, I, I came here from Denver. I did a lot of Colorado football when I was there. I was there during the Bill McCartney days, and they had a great, great team that won a national or shared a national title with uh, Georgia Tech. I won't mention to Kevin who uh, <laughs> who, who, who the, the Buffs beat. And by the way, that, hold, that holding call on the Rahib Ishmael uh, touchdown return was totally bogus. Thank you. If it makes you feel any better. But um, 
I thought it was great, and I'm going to write a column about it this week for sure. I thought it was fun. I, you know, the media, we, we get thin-skinned sometimes. We don't like being called out. But, look, he's trying to galvanize his players. He's trying to turn it into an us-versus-them scenario. And, you know, what what better way to get your kids uh, excited about, you know, shocking the world and going after the big bad boogeyman media so i thought i thought the whole thing was hysterical you know uh i didn't have a problem with it but look it's it's not our job to believe or not believe it's not our job to root root the home team on i when i cover a game i root for two things i root for the story and i root for nobody to get seriously injured and that's it and 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 a lot of people in sports a lot of athletes and coaches don't understand that they think Mm-hmm. Local media should be, you know, uh, root, root, rooting for the home team, and, and that's just not the way it is. But the, our business has changed, and there are more homers and more people who are very, um, uh, very transparent about their fandom. And I think it's giving a lot of athletes and coaches the wrong idea about what we're supposed to be doing. And Bob's the latest looking ahead to this season for the Colts. Two, three wins is where he is hovering around here. You can find that over on Substack and look for something on Deion Sanders coming up here later in the week. Bob, as always, thank you for our conversations, and uh, we'll see you later this week at Colts. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Bob Kravitz right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Andy is Deion Sanders coaching the <laughs> SEC next next fall. Oh, the SEC. Well, his son has, what, one more year? I'm going to say, uh, I know he can transfer. I'm going to say he rides it out this year and next year at Colorado. And then after. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's no to that. He's a college coach, right? Is he ever NFL? Oh, I think he's a college coach. Man, I don't I don't know. I, th- I, I thought he might be a bum on Saturday. And now i got to live in the world where no, primetime might, prime might be good. I mean, I mostly agree with Bob there. but I no, took TCU. <laughs> prime, is, prime is, you're not the only one. Prime is doing this thing where... He's scolding the media for not believing in him. And it's like he's just creating this false narrative. Everybody I know. But was, if your team buys in. I, listen, no, they absolutely do buy in. I mean, everybody I know was was bought in on on, on Prime was going to was going to do something on Saturday. Like the majority of people. And that doesn't mean everyone picked them to win but thought that he was going to, you know, kind of get things going there at Colorado. Almost everybody I know. So this thought that there's this all these people that are Prime haters. Like I I don't I, I don't I think I think Prime is so used to being the villain that he's not the villain uh anymore. John Calipari ran out of that at Kentucky. He was the villain, then he became the of college basketball, then he's like, wait a minute, I need to be the villain again. Some guys need to work with that, and that's what Prime's doing here. Because everyone, I mean, so many people are rooting for them. No one cares about Colorado football around here. I mean, I'm going to bring it up again. Obviously, Coach Prime is going to dominate the sound bites, the headlines, all of that. What Travis Hunter did on Saturday for them, that's just, it, we just do not see that anymore in today's college football. A guy playing both ways like that, receiver and corner, over 11 catches, over 100 yards, a huge interception on the goal line. In that heat down there in Texas, plays 120 some snaps. Uh, absolutely absurd. On the on the other end, can I react to something that Kravitz said about yeah. Chris Ballard? I thought your question was good. I just wanted to react to that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and by the way, I mean, Jack Leonard's still out. Still in concussion protocol. Yeah, I, 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 I mean it's you know it's Tuesday. Like, right. I let's get, let's, let's get going. Yeah, l- l- let's hit on that on the other side again. Joel Erickson going to join us at the top of the hour. It's the wake up call. With KB and Andy on a. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Beautiful start to this week here in Indy. Appreciate Bro- uh, Bob Kravitz joining us. Joel A. Erickson will join us coming up in about 25 minutes or so as we get you ready again for week one. Colts and Jags, that pregame coverage beginning here on the Fan Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, I will not be able to be out there. I am not. I need to find out what kind of happenings we have going on around the, at the stadium. Like, I don't know. You, you ever go out there? I mean, you're you're playing journalist, KB, but, I mean, we go out there. So, JMV uh, is at a little, little keg or something? What do we have? Bullseye event center. Center, which okay. is a great tailgating spot pregame. Um, for those parking or, I don't know, getting dropped off more in kind of the center part here of downtown, uh, we'll have a tailgate up on uh, Georgia Street as well. So okay. I think that is a must to visit. And then you, know, you just naturally walk towards the stadium. Touchdown Town is there. So tons of spots. And I think... I think the weather's supposed to be like in the mid 70s so oh, it's gonna be great we always yeah. get the ursa roof <laughs> tweets going here oh yeah ursa well he has his uh what chris angel coming to town in the, the everything that's friday right that is friday night that's the 78 on sunday oh, oh, is what oh, i'm seeing oh. you wake that's up. gotta be a roof open man you oh it has to be please you wake up and it's what 58 degrees 60 degrees you go outside i don't know you kb you kind of look like you might be a robe guy you have the robe on you go outside <laughs> with some cloth are you a Robe guy? Are you a robe guy? I, 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 I don't think we've ever delved into this. I can't say I've ever rocked a robe. Do you have moccasins? I do not have moccasins. Do you have house no. shoes? I do not have house shoes. Oh, the, come on. The, Everyone's got house shoes. You uh, don't have house shoes? No house shoes for Kevin Bowen. No house shoes for me either. No. Wait, I, wait you guys are now looking down at me that I have house shoes? When what it, am I? What, 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 only what, when it gets winter. What, yeah. You and I are both rocking sandals today? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Now, you're moving this weekend, right? Yeah, so uh, during the football game on Sunday, I'm going to be watching others unload my uh, my meager possessions into a home. <laughs> that's basically that's basically what it's going to, what it's going to be. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to be that bad, and it is that bad. So uh, you know, and we don't even have like you know we're throwing away a couple old couches and some stuff, getting some new stuff for a new house. Don't want to bring some. You know, we have dogs and they slime everything and everything else. But uh, no, I am ready for it to be over, and I am actually seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's a nice thing. That's a very nice think? thing because then everything is going to be there. And you're like, oh, I have to unpack this now. But it, but at least I'm but at least I'm going to live there, Mark. That's now, true. now you know I'm moving out of a house that I want that I'm trying to sell, and I'm like my mind and giving that I'm here in Indy, my mind is totally gone from there now as I've been here the last four weeks. So, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a different spot. Speaking of bad, the oh last boy. time the Colts won a season opener was 2013. They beat Terrell Pryor and the Oakland Raiders yes, in that sir. opener. Andy, you want to take a stab at who the Raiders coach was on that oh, Sunday afternoon goodness. at Lucas Oil Stadium? It wasn't Gruden. I will give you a hint. He is actually a current coach of, a, of an NFL team. Oh, man. I, not, now now I'm going to be completely humiliated if I don't know who that is. Uh, da, 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 da. I think Greg Toller had a big interception for the Colts. Man. I've seen that game. I, I have no idea. Who was it? Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen, who's back being a coach back in New Orleans for a year. You believe that? Well, two years or whatever. Twenty. Yeah. Dennis Allen. Teen is the last time the Colts won a season opener. It happened to be right over here at Lucas Oil Stadium. Twenty-one to seventeen was the final score 
of that game. The the best part of Terrell Pryor was he was caught up in all the, the tattoo stuff at Ohio State, which now seems so very funny that he was caught up in that. I remember he had to go to the, the student hearing or whatever, and ESPN and everyone, all the cameras were waiting for him, and he pulled up in like a $150,000 car. <laughs> It was actually it was Antoine Bethay. Now that I, now I look at it, he oh, had the yeah. big interception. Like, I mean, this how was back dare when you? Terrell Pryor years. was playing quarterback. Yeah, you know, after oh, that, yeah. you know, he made the transition to wideout. See, where I would have messed up there is I didn't think he ever started a season at quarterback week number one. I remember him playing quarterback, but week number one, you know, you go into the season and he's your starter. I did not think that was the case. Uh, Charles Woodson started at safety in that game. When Charles Woodson and Reggie Wayne are starting in that game, um, and Robert Mathis, it shows you how long it's been since the Colts have won a better times. Opener. Better times. So you said something that Chris, uh, that well, um, Bob Kravitz mentioned last well, segment. Okay, so yeah, yeah, maybe you know nine o'clock hour tomorrow we can we can kind of cut that and, and we can play off of that a little bit. But you ask him about it was a follow up. He thinks the season's going to be a, you know does Bob a two three win season? He ultimately may be right. I mean, even if he's wrong and they double the win total from two to four, whatever it is, we know that's going to be well under the Las Vegas angle. And then you ask as a follow-up, if they go something like three and 14, is is that bad enough for Chris Ballard to lose his job? Um, and Kravitz responded, no, I don't feel that way. And then uh, he thinks it's about next year. That'll be the year where they need to show improvement or especially at the quarterback, they need to show improvement. Otherwise, Ballard may go. And i got to be honest, uh, two things. Number one, I agree with Bob on that. I don't want to agree with Bob, but I agree with Bob. And number two... You agree with him on the three-win uh, part or Ballard uh, keeping no, his job? No, Ballard keeping his job. Um, I probably have them maybe a couple, maybe another win or two more, but it's all in the same kind of boat. Now, that can that can change you from being the fourth pick or fifth pick, and you know which you guys obviously watched last year, or being number one. Like, if I'm a Colts fan, I don't want to be number one or two. I don't want to have to make that decision on, uh, is Anthony Richardson in our quarterback when Caleb Williams is out there. I, I don't want... Let's not go there I, I, no, I, yeah, No, that's what I'm saying. I don't want any part of that. I need to win enough games where I'm not one or two, at least number one. Uh, so I agree with him on the Ballard thing. Number two, I, you know, if they are as bad as he thinks they're going to be, then the Ballard discussion, KB, is I feel like that's going to flood the shows here. I feel like we're going to be able to turn middle of the season, uh, tell Mark, hey, uh, 2 3 9 10, 7. <laughs> we could take calls for three hours on people being mad about Chris Ballard. Don't God, you I feel, feel like that we way? we did that all last well, October on. I, listen, I, I know, but that's where it's – if they're not good, that's where it's going to go. If Steichen um, you know, has some goofs as a first-time head coach, it's going to go back to Ballard. If Anthony Richards, uh, Richardson struggles, he was a draft pick in number four or – you didn't put enough around him. The depth of the roster is going to be on Ballard. Everything he is going to be. He, Colts are going to want a fall guy if they're that bad, and they're going to want it to be him. And I don't think it's going to be him. Yeah, and I think Bob. I don't want to speak for Bob, but I'm pretty sure Bob was coming out from the point of like how he thinks Jim Mersey would react to three and fourteen. And, and I do agree with Bob in that. I don't think he would fire Ballard. Having said that. Bob said something to the effect of, I think they have one of the worst rosters Mm -hmm. in the league. Maybe Arizona was the other one that he mentioned. That, to me, if if Jim Irsay thinks that, 
what does that say? I mean, I've said it so often about Indiana here in year six. When you're over under of a win total is three and a half in year six, what does that say about the trajectory of your program? Same thing for Chris Boward. If we are debating now in year seven, this is Boward's seventh mm-hmm, year, mm-hmm. that the Colts might have one of the worst rosters in the NFL. We are. Yeah, he's right. Well, what does that say about what your GM has built here? So if that question is a legitimate one, then why? Well, why is he even still around? I think you could make that argument. I think that is very fair. Again, I would assume that Ursay would not go down that path because I think he views this this trio of Ballard and um, Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen as having kind of a multi-year window to try and prove whatever they need to prove, and it's probably the GM needing to prove things more than more than any. But that I think is a very legitimate question. To ask again, I don't think they would, but if all of a sudden Jim Mercer's like, Yeah, we got one of the worst rosters in the NFL, hello, I mean, what, what yeah, what I does mean, that say? They, they may not feel that way, and I can understand, you know, I know Ballard last week talked about, you know, there's guys with a ton of upside, and because of the Jonathan Taylor conversation, we haven't talked about this guy or that guy, or the corners have a lot of, you know, I mean, I can understand that. I mean, to, to me, you know, this year, next year are kind of like the rebuild years. And this year, uh, I, I don't know internally what they think, but I agree with Bob that next year you would need to, you would need to show improvement. Uh, Ballard's been given the, the green light to be the man who's going to be over the rebuild, right? I mean, you, you made that decision, what, in the offseason last year? In the offseason this year? You had to make the decision. Either we're going to roll with him for a couple years. We're going to make, we're going to let him sign some guys to contracts. We're going to let him pick our next franchise quarterback when we pick number four uh, I mean before before they gave the slip to the NFL and 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 picked Anthony Richardson at four I mean you had to make the decision on Ballard before then right before the head coach before Anthony Richardson if not you rolled him a couple years now I think you can cut bait and I think there's several general managers types that that would back having Anthony Richardson as their quarterback I don't think it's like well you got to keep him for three years because you know otherwise Steichen's going to be gone and, and may they may not like Richardson that might be the case but you could bring in other guys that are going to like the combination that the Colts have started here. Yeah, I, I, I think you could, but it's also a dangerous game to play because there is always going to be an ego in that position of a general manager at some point if things start to go bad. Especially at Coach KB. You're gonna, Especially you're there. You're going to cut ties and you're going to run to the owner and say, It's not my guy. Steichen's I, not my guy. I didn't hire him. Yeah. I know. I, I don't think we had to worry about that. No, but, no, no. But, but after, but after next year, I, I mean, it's, Colts fans are going to have to live with that. They're not going to like it. If you go three and fourteen after just going four, twelve, and one, does that mean the only fall guy in all of this is Frank Reich? Yes. You know that. Like <laughs> what? You know that that just doesn't totally add up to me. Um, we'll start to monitor Team USA right now. They are in the final eight here of the World it, Cup. So it, we know they lost to Lithuania. It's 6-6. Six six. I have it up right now. Yeah, I, I was just yeah. checking it out here, um, watching the first couple of minutes. It looks pretty nervy right now for Team USA. Jaron Jackson Jr., who struggled with major foul trouble against Lithuania uh, over the weekend in their loss. He is already on the bench with two fouls. I believe in FIBA, it's just five. You get just five fouls in FIBA. So at this point, it is win or go home. Uh, the Lithuania game was more for seeding here in the final eight, but now against Italy, which I don't think they have a single NBA player. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to double check the Italian roster, but I don't believe they do. Uh, it is win or go home right now for the U.S. So we'll continue to watch that. And when Tyrese Halliburton gets in the game, keep you updated 
on that. Joel A. Erickson from The Star joins us in about 10 minutes. It's the wake-up call with KB and Andy here on a beautiful Tuesday in Indy. Uh, Smash Mouth, right, Mark? Yep. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. Rest in peace. Our singer passed away over the weekend, KB. That's why that's Boy, the from, song uh, that he played. From Jimmy Buffett to Smash Mouth, quite the, um, quite quite the losses the, over, quite, the, over the weekend. Quite the, quite the weekend. Barker and... Which yeah. we didn't mention last week until a day too late, which was all my fault. A uh, couple different things. Uh, Joel, uh, Joel A. Erickson going to join us coming up uh, at the top of the hour. We'll talk some Colts with him. Running back rotation, Anthony Richardson. Uh, some of the Ballard stuff that we talked about last segment. Uh, just a couple things before we hit the top of the hour. Uh, did you see that Iowa won 24-14 over Utah State, which is perfectly Iowa over the weekend? And, and I I assume you're bringing that up in reference to their offensive coordinator and, and, and the job that's potentially on the line for him? Well, I mean, the one, one reason I bring it up is they scored, okay, they scored a pass, a 36-yard uh, touchdown on the opening drive of the game. It's the first opening drive touchdown pass since when for Iowa football. How long How long back do you think you have to go? And it's a long time. I believe I was wearing diapers. I, I, <laughs> I saw this stat. Oh, did you say it? 1991. Yeah. 1991. Well, doesn't, so Brian Ferentz is their offense coordinator, right? And doesn't it say in his... Whatever his job description that he they have to have at least twenty seven and a half points yeah. per game or something like that. Whatever, whatever. Well, they only got twenty four against who? against against Utah State. I, I, I feel like that's that's so, not a good way to no, start that, trying to pad that, it yeah, before the exactly. schedule gets real. That's one of those you you want to get like 41, 42 points, forty five points, so you can kind of be working uh, with a buffer zone. Again, the first opening drive touchdown pass for Iowa to to begin a season since nineteen ninety one. In that game, they played Hawaii. Matt Rogers threw it to Danon Hughes. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine? I, I don't know if you feel this way watching the United States play these international games. Cyrus Halliburton just made an open three. U.S. up 14-8 right now on Italy. And again, it is winner go mm-hmm. home. But I feel like when I watched them play Lithuania over the weekend, um, group stage, I think they had one game that was kind of close, not not really, but even the first quarter here through the first like five or six minutes, it was sloppy. It was ugly. Like there's very mm-hmm. little rhythm to their half court offense. It reminds me of watching Purdue lately in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Don't do that. It's like here you have Leave this Matt team on one end of the floor that is vastly superior, has is favored by X amount of points. The other team just has little guards that are pulling up from like the volleyball line. <laughs> equivalent here and it's just such a slug offensively for the United States to get anything going and I'm like oh my gosh am I watching St. Peter's and Fairleigh Dickinson again <laughs> and, leave and Matt, like, leave I Matt don't Painter mean alone. that as a joke I know no. like people are going to be like Kevin you know that's low hanging fruit shut up you no yeah. it's not they've been they've been a top seed losing Hate to bad Purdue, teams all please. this stuff I'm like that's, that's how I feel when I watch the US the game just gets so ugly in a FIBA sense. It's just a very physical game. Guys get into foul trouble. Again, it's like the offensive rhythm. I'm like, boy, what is it? And, you know, Halliburton, when he's entered the game, things have been a little bit better. So he's in right now, and we will 
Well, negative, keep me posted on that. When you're in a when you're in a uh, you know win or go home, negativity can build on itself, right? Well, a team and, stays and all close. the pressure is on the U.S. Just oh, like yeah. all the pressure was on, obviously Purdue in the fairly Dickinson matchup, and all the pressure, of course, you know, dates back to the St. Peters and the. North Texas is and the little rocks of the world. So, yeah, I mean, there is, I think, apples to apples. But, again, the second unit for the United States uh, playing pretty well as it has all throughout the tournament. So they've got an early lead. You brought up Shaquille Leonard and the the concussion protocol. Can I go back to that? Yeah, no, please go back to it. I mean, it's Tuesday, you know. If you want him to play at some point here, he's going to have to get out there. So he was practicing last week and was out of the red jersey. Um, The first official injury report for the Colts will come tomorrow. Um, They'll practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then obviously the game on Sunday. Yesterday, there was no practice availability. So, Andy, I'm just purely going off of, like, past precedent with guys and returning from concussions. And, again, Leonard suffered his during the joint practice of the Mm -hmm. Bears. So, we're going on about three weeks when he suffered it. I think, actually, three weeks from tomorrow. That's when you picked up the dung. That's (laughs) how I remember it. Oh, what a glorious day. Crusty dung. That that was out at at Grand Park on that that Tuesday morning. (laughs) Um, I would assume... Leonard will clear it this week and will play on Sunday. He would have had to have had a setback from, again, he was in the red jersey, I want to say it was last Wednesday, and then was out of the red jersey when we were out there last Thursday, which means you're allowed to have some contact. So, again, I, I based off past precedent with concussion protocol guys, I assume he plays. Now, the question becomes, how much does he play and how effective? And that's a storyline that dates back to our opening segment when, you know, it kind of talked about it Andy there's so many non Richardson Taylor right. storylines it's a big one that we would usually yeah. be getting to and in a way in my opinion this is a contract year for Leonard I know he's under contract for several more years but the guy's getting paid 20 million dollars to pay linebacker that's an extraordinarily high number he's got to give you return on that investment you can get out of that contract a little bit here after this season so I think that is a storyline um, that is worth monitoring this year. Joel A. Erickson will join us next. Sorry, I thought you were going to throw to Erickson. I, yeah. I, I apologize to that. Let's do it. A Bobby Portis <laughs> dunk Uh-oh. off of a... Uh, you're, you're engrossed Albert in this. Assist. This is I what's am. problem. He's engrossed. How how, how are we, we watching Team USA basketball? We, we don't get appointment sport viewing on a Tuesday morning very often. Well, so you don't get it. If you don't put the electronics down, <laughs> no dinner. So I am trying to multitask here with the United States. Well, you're watching basketball now and then Thursday, somehow in the 9 o'clock, Hour, we're going to have to do it a draft, right? Yes, we've we're got st- our we're fantasy, starting a, a our, fantasy football draft. How we, are we doing that? We have our show fantasy football draft. You're now sounding like Jake. Jake yeah, was so yeah. worried. Oh, I'm not worried about that me. last year. I, I trust your technological no. brilliance yeah. to be able. Not to an old man like you Jake. can play music through your computer. Yeah. I think you can do a fantasy football draft. <laughs> I know how to log on to the system to the O drive. Joel A. Erickson joins us next here. It's a wake up call with KB and Andy. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Between this music and Primetime's music, Mark Dykton's producing today. 
Sarah McLaughlin earlier, right? Right, Mark? Smash Mouth yeah, as well, boy. In honor boy. of Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> hospital stay. Yes, whatever. Have now, you it, like seven for seven today? Mark, that was the CBS intro uh, right there. You've been hearing that a lot, I think. I, uh, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. it's a little Fox action to open up oh, it is. this week. I now, we have a ton up. of... You know, blackouts everywhere right now, so who knows if you even have Fox or you know, not. I just but. see Colts, Jaguars, and I think CBS, <laughs> 1 o'clock kick. You know what? I, I Everyone. Think the NFL has done some rule changes. No, no, they have year. a couple. It was a couple years ago they did yeah. that. Yeah, within the last year or two, they, they've done that. Uh, all right, so we're hanging out with you. One more hour to go here on the Wake Up Call. I'm Andy Sweeney's Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton producing today's effort. We're coming at you live from the drivehubler.com studios as we get you ready. Week one in the NFL, Colts and Jags right down the street from us. At Lucas Oil, cannot wait to get out there uh, for that one. And a man who will be covering that game and the team the entire season from the Indianapolis Stars. Names Joel A. Erickson. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Man, we're fantastic. KB right now is engrossed in Team USA basketball, who leads by 10 here early second quarter. So if you wanted uh, Team USA and Team Italy updates, there you Halliburton go. Halliburton looking very good. Yes, he, he was complaining about something a second ago. I'm not exactly sure uh, what it was. Uh, Joel, let's, let's jump in here. Obviously, so much of the discussion has been the last few weeks. Jonathan Taylor, uh, obviously the other part of the discussion has been Anthony Richardson, if if I took Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson and those narratives and I just moved them to the side, what is kind of the what is the storyline that we've kind of missed or did a, uh, or done a disservice to, given that we've been focusing so much on Taylor and obviously the uh, the quarterback? What would it be? Well, it's it's just kind of cheating because it's a little bit tied to them, but just the Colts seem comfortable. Uh, with the idea that they're going to be young and they're going to take their lumps, and lumps obviously in the NFL generally mean losses. Like, I think that that's maybe something that hasn't been talked about enough. It's just, you know, Chris Ballard has kind of said over and over again, you know, we're, we're going to be young in some spots, and we understand that there's going to be issues. And Gus Bradley said it, it, it's it's the message that keeps coming out about about you know this this team is. They haven't used the word rebuilding, but they've they, you know they're at the very least they're treading water, and I think that as the season starts is is the biggest thing is is you know this team isn't for the first time in a while this team isn't you know actively I don't think pushing hard to win an AFC South title. Mm. Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indy Star. I guess kind of playing off Andy's first question, what individual, non-Richardson, non-Taylor division are you most curious about for this season with the Colts? Bernard Ryman. Uh, Bernard Ryman, the, like, we've, we saw good stuff out of him throughout camp to preseason. Um, and just in terms of what that could mean for the offensive line, you know, if, if Bernard Ryman develops into a – true starting caliber left tackle, um, you know, a good left tackle in this league. You think about it, it's not just that it, it fixes a left tackle spot for the Colts, but it also gives you uh, a chance at, at, at an anchor for the future. Um, you know, not to say that, that Quentin Nelson and, and Braden, I mean, Braden, Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith are in their sixth year. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a couple more. Ryan Kelly's in his eighth year. But, you know, a, a guy on the offensive line in his second year, developing into a guy that you want to keep around 
that's an anchor for whenever those guys are either playing somewhere else or, or going going elsewhere. So I think Bernard Ryman is is probably another undercovered story and one that we'll have to get to during the during the season is can can he um you know, live up to these expectations that the Colts have for him that he can develop into a a franchise left tackle. How much better do you personally expect the offensive line to be this season? Well, I think a big a big significant part of that is I need to know how many games guys are playing because sure. I I think that it's I think that it's it's I can see the if with the Colts where they've said you know if Bernard Ryman takes a step if Will Fries is solid. Um, if we get some of these guys back, we, we can be a lot better. We can be more like we were at the end of last season and less like we were at the beginning. That I can see happening. I I, I keep thinking about what happens the first time someone goes down. What if Ryman or Braden Smith goes down in the first game and uh, fourth-round rookie Blake Freeland is suddenly thrown into the mix at, at one of those spots or or Ryan Hayes? You know, the, the depth piece here, and we saw last year how um, – one or two weak spots can sort of cause a collapse of the entire offensive line. And so that's that's the big key for me is it, at what point does one of these guys get hurt? Because it's going to happen. I mean, 2019 was an outlier. It's not the norm. And, it will, and, and how do they play once those guys go down? I was going to say, if I have this right, Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, your backup offensive tackles right now are two <laughs> day three rookies, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and Ryan Hayes was a seventh rounder. I mean, sure. That's, sure. That's a developmental piece. Right. And and for what it's worth, Freeland, we've made Blake Freeland, the fourth round pick out of BYU. We've really only seen on the right side, very little left side work out of him uh, here this off season. Joel A. Erickson with us from the Star. Joel, you're you're out and about. You're at you know kids' flag football game, and someone co- comes up to you. They're like, "All right, I never watched Anthony Richardson, Richardson at Florida." Didn't watch either of the two preseason games. Describe to me what the Colts' offense will look like this season. Like, what do you think stylistically it's going to look like compared to um, past Colts seasons? Oh, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of not just quarterback run and RPO and, and read option stuff, but I think I think the hard part for Colts fans is going to be that there's going to be stuff that looks like that to the to, that that isn't necessarily. You know, they, the the threat of Richardson running the ball is is really at this point the best the best weapon they have. And so I think, you know, if you're used to seeing play action handoffs that where the quarterback is turning his back to the offense or to the offensive line and reaching back, I, I don't think you're going to see a ton of that. I think you're going to see um, what we think of as sort of those, you know, zone read handoffs. Um, and some of them, there's not going to be a running play at all. It's going to be play action. You got to. It, there's going to be a lot of stuff based off of his ability to move with his feet, um, and and that includes the passing game too. In terms of, in terms of, you know, getting linebackers to be worried that he's going to run, and then throwing in behind them, doing stuff quickly, uh, and then I think I think that you know Shane Steichen is always going to want to take his shots, but I, I think the biggest thing is there, there's going to be a lot of different stuff. A lot of different ways they try to make his his legs either the play or the threat of the play, and everything is going to bounce off of that. At Florida, Joel Richardson average, I think it was eight and a half rushes per game. If you look at the NFL last year, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, they were right around ten carries per game. If you had to peg a, a rushing number for Richardson per game, where would you put it at? 
I think I think that Jalen Hurts Justin Fields comp is good. Steichen strikes me as a guy that's not going to be afraid to run him. Exactly. And, you know, I think part of, I mean, they they picked him in part to do this. You know, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to have kid gloves on him because they they, they picked him in part to do this with it. Steichen likes the, the explosiveness it brings to the game. They're they're gonna run him and and then you know they're gonna they're gonna see what happens off of that and the other thing is it it's it's likely that he's going to be somewhat inefficient as a passer right away. It's hard to change your your accuracy and completion percentage in one off season in the NFL, and running the ball is a way to make make up for some of that. Uh, running the ball with a quarterback is a way to make up for some of that. You know, you think about in the preseason. Richardson averaged something like six yards a carry. Sam Ellinger was up around six yards a carry. And the running backs were at 3.1. Well, you know, that six, the quarterback, that quarterback run, when you're averaging six yards a carry, that kind of thing, you're getting more like short passing game numbers than you are running game numbers. And so that's, that's a way to make up for maybe some of the misses that they're going to have in the passing game. Yeah, and I don't think this is just me. I, I don't think it's going to be like the Cam Newton type runs. I think he's you know he's not going to take a lot of flush hits. Almost a, a little bit like Lamar Jackson. You mentioned Jalen Hurts as well. Uh, Joel A. Erickson hanging out with us here on the fan on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Quickly, let's go to the other part of the running game that averaged just three point one yards per carry in the preseason. The Zach Moss injury working him back into the fold. What do you think the running backs look like game one and when they? roll out there that first possession do you think it's going to be Deion Jackson having the start I I still lean towards I still lean towards if 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 Zach Moss feels like he's healthy I think Zach Moss is going to be a a big part of the game plan and maybe the starter but I I don't think I do think that you know in the first couple weeks that it's going to be a little bit of a a running back by committee as they try to figure stuff out that the running backs that they have, um, you know, that they need, they're going to need Richardson. You know, Zach Moss was telling us yesterday, you know, when, when you have a quarterback who can run the way Richardson can, it's, it's, it means a lighter box for the running back. They're going to need that. I, I don't think we saw in training camp or in the preseason, I don't think we saw a lot of yards gained beyond what was blocked by the Colts offensive line. And so they're, they're going to need teams to be focusing on Richardson uh, to to get them some of the the more explosive runs that that I think things they can want. Joel, when I look at um, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the talks have been made about okay, the Colts had three wideouts on their fifty three man roster for a couple hours last week, and now it's at four. And I, I know there's just a lot of curiosity about that. I really don't think it's that big of a topic. And, and, and let me explain. A fifth wideout on game day, you don't really use that guy in your offensive game plan. I mean, for the most part, you just run four wideouts out there. You rotate them in. Pittman and Pierce will play a ton of snaps. Downs will be in the slot, and I may, Isaiah McKenzie will have his gadget role. That's kind of how I envisioned it. Now, if an injury were to occur to Pittman or Pierce, then that's when I think we have a real, real question about the wideout depth. Am I missing something here on the fifth wideout since Ashton Doolin's injury, or should I be paying a little bit more stock into it? Well, I I think it I think it just comes down to they have two slot receivers among their four, and so that means that if Pierce or Pittman go down, and you're if if you I, I assume they're going to bring somebody up from the practice squad. 
right. based on the way they're currently constructed. Like Michael Strawn's going to be active or something. You know, somebody's going to be active on the outside. But to me, the biggest issue is if one of those outside receivers go down. Like Ashton Doolin could play that um, that role for you if you needed to, if if he needed to. Like Josh Downs and, and Isaiah McKenzie, they're, they're smaller guys. They're not going to be able to do like. They can line up out there. They're not going to be able to do the outside type receiver stuff. And I think that's my biggest concern is without a clear backup at outside receiver, what happens if one of those two guys goes down for an extended amount of time? And this kind of goes to the offensive line depth issue too for me is like I'm willing to under, I'm willing to hear the argument that, you know, the quarterback makes the running back look better um, because of the mobility. But I think we all understand that you need to have offensive line and wide receiver help around a rookie quarterback to help him develop. And I think that's my biggest concern for this season is if injuries happen on those frontline players, are they, do they end up doing Anthony Richardson a disservice by having guys come in who, who can't you know, play at the level of the guys that went out? Um, and, and are we talking about sort of a Justin Fields type of situation where why didn't they surround him with more on the offensive line and receiver positions? Joel A. Erickson with us uh, from the Indy Star on the Payless Liquors Hotline here on the Fan on this Tuesday. Last one for me, um, you know, Shane Steichen evaluating him, right? I mean, he's a first-time head coach. He, he talked about that over the weekend, uh, and we know that it's a young team. It's a new quarterback with 13 starts. I mean, we I can preface it in many different ways. How will you be evaluating Shane Steichen, how he does as a coach, giving that this team is going to suffer obviously quite a few losses well i I mean i i think it ultimately comes down to the development of of anthony richardson you know that's that's the it's the north star for this franchise right now even with all the stuff people are talking about jonathan taylor like the north star for this franchise is turn anthony richardson develop anthony richardson into a true franchise quarterback in the nfl and once you have that honestly it it fixes a lot of the other issues um, or if it doesn't fix them, it lessens the impact because that player can can uh, make up for it, you know. And so I think that that's ultimately the biggest thing is this season is all about um, Anthony Richardson. Now I will say, you know, at this point in the in this in the season, we don't have a lot on Shane Steichen, right? As far as like an opinion, but that's a good thing because we do have a lot of random data points on a guy like Jonathan Gannon in Arizona. And that's not a good thing. Like there's, he's already <laughs> starting the season, you know, behind the eight ball in terms of public perception. Whereas Steichen, I don't think there's any of that yet. So he's, he's handled the off season in a way that, you know, like he's not made a ton of, of headlines or, or done a lot of stuff that's like caught attention. It's probably good. Honestly, for a first year head coach, it's probably good if you're not, um, in the headlines, like like I said, the Arizona situation, where it's just kind of been gaff after gaff, uh, I think is a bigger deal. And the thing about that, KB, I'll throw it to you, is they have to. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals got to quit putting out Gannon's speeches on the internet, man. 
<laughs> they're doing it. They're doing it to themselves. It's a self-inflicted wound, partially. Come yeah, on. I think Jonathan Gannon and Tom Allen maybe have have a yeah. dinner or two over how they've handled their quarterback <laughs> situations this offseason. Okay, Joel, last one from me. Uh, this might be a mute point, but I feel like at the end of the conversation, I can ask a Jonathan Taylor question. Here in this first week of September in past history, we've seen Chris Ballard do deals right before the season started. Nelson fell into this uh, timetable. Naeem Hines, I think Ryan Kelly was in this time frame. And I bring that up because I, I go back to the first day of training camp, Joel, and I know Chris Ballard's tone has changed, but then he did say, like, we are open to doing contract extensions in season. Like, it, you know, it's not something they're against doing. They did it with Grover Stewart. Do you feel like, though, since then, he's really kind of emphasized the four-win aspect to it and we won't see anything get done this week or in season? And by that, I mean Taylor, Michael Pittman, and Grover Stewart. It kind of feels like he was. It kind of feels like he used that a little bit as a screen, you know. Like we have done this. We we've we've signed guys. We've done you know. It, it, like I said, it feels like he's using it as a little bit of as a screen to sort of lessen the impact of what he's saying about we won four games last year. We need to see where we are. Like I, I think that my my read right now is that that's the. The, we 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 won four games last year. We need to see where we are. That's the the team's position, and the other stuff is just saying, "Hey, we've we've done this in the past. Um, it could possibly happen, but I, I'm not looking at it that way. I think I'm looking at it more as I, I think they want to kind of tread water here." and then make some decisions next year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I just, it was curious, your thoughts. All right, are you worried about the Cubs at all? Two and a half games behind your Brewers. Ooh. I've been terrified for weeks, Kevin. <laughs> now, is that <laughs> fan pessimism, or like you think the Cubs are good? I think the Cubs are – well, I think the Cubs lineup is really good. Their, their pitching is not is – not, uh, like their starting pitching with Stroman out is not great. But, like, their lineup is so good, and – um. Yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, and then the, and then you have to throw in the fan pessimism. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> like the math the math seems to work out for Milwaukee. But the Cubs just like and they're they're going up against teams like everyone's like, well, they're going up against the Giants and Diamondbacks right now. The Giants and Diamondbacks have not played well in a while. But it's not like uh, it's not like they're going up against the Dodgers and Braves. So, so yeah, the Brewers are playing the Pirates right now. <laughs> yeah, but they're in Pittsburgh, and if you're a Brewers fan, you hate when they go to Pittsburgh because. Like, once a season, something terrible happens there. I thought you were going to drop, like, a how hostile environment playing on the road in Pittsburgh is. Oh, yeah. No, no. Pittsburgh is like Pittsburgh is like Milwaukee's – I mean, in baseball, you can't really have, like, a like a Colt – like, a, the way the Colts are in Jacksonville. I was going to say, is it like Jacksonville to the Colts? Yeah, but, like, when Milwaukee goes to Pittsburgh, there's, like, one series a year where they, where they, they do what's expected, and then there's one series a year where things just go terribly. And that's that's going back for years and years and years. They also always have rain delays there. Which <laughs> so you are worried about this end of the season series potentially a three game set in Milwaukee between the Cubs I, and the Brewers. I don't think I'm super worried about like making the playoffs. It feels like it feels like both Milwaukee and Chicago are far enough out in front. But in terms of winning the division, yeah, I'm I'm concerned that I, I'm concerned that the Cubs are coming. A man worried about road games in Pittsburgh. He is Joel A. Erickson (laughs) from The Star. Joel, uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow out of Colts.
Okay, sounds good. It's Joel A. Erickson right there. You brought up, I want to go back to that Shane Steichen thing you, that you brought up. Yeah, because I agree and disagree with him, so I can react to it too. I think what is unique about Shane compared to other NFL head coaches, I don't know the exact number, Andy, but there's a decent amount of NFL head coaches that also call plays. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, yeah. what? There's probably ten. I, I I don't know. Maybe that's that's a little bit of a high or, number. Or but are very very involved in everything offensively. Yes. There's certainly more than three or four. But there's no head coach in the NFL that's doing it as a first year head coach with the project at quarterback like Anthony Richardson has. I mean, Andy Reid calling plays with Patrick Mahomes and Sean McVay calling plays with Matthew right. Stafford is a lot lot different than Shane Sykin doing it here. And again. Those guys, Andy Reid's case, I mean, hell, he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in, in the NFL, if not the longest. And Sean McVay now has been doing it for, whatever, half a dozen years. So I think that's what separates this Steichen experiment of, yes, there are head coaches in the league that put the play-calling duties on their plate as well. But even, I think, Shane will admit to you, there were some moments in the preseason where he was like, in Philly, I could totally tune out when the defense was on the field. I, I can't do that to the full degree. Plus, you're just weekly duties. I mean, for anybody that went out to Grand Park, you you were out there as well, Andy. Shane Sykin is with Anthony Richardson for a lot, a lot of practice time. Mm-hmm. Like He feels, right. and I understand why he feels, he needs to be near him, positional drills, those sorts of things. Again, Andy Reid and Sean McVay, they're probably going to gravitate naturally towards their offensive guys, but they probably don't feel the need to watch Patrick Mahomes' footwork during positional drills. You know, when you talk about Steichen, this is a conversation we can have after the break, after the pop quiz, which is coming up, or even tomorrow. We have the, you know, this is, the reason I ask that is, the answer is Anthony Richardson in the offense, right? If the offense looks good, if it looks creative, if Anthony Richardson looks more than competent, if, if you can tell they're cleaning up his game while integrating what he is already good at, the arm strength and the running and those sorts of things, all of that is number one, and I understand that. But you know what's 1B to me or for me? Go back to the opening game in college football, that Florida game and Utah. How disorganized did the Florida Gators look? Uh, I mean, I mean, they had 13 guys on the field. They'd have 10 guys on the field. They'd get a penalty that led to a touchdown because they have two guys with the same number. And while that's not going to happen in the NFL, are the Colts sloppy on Sunday? Are, are, do, are they, is it a bunch of penalties? Is it not having, a, you know, is having 10 guys on the field on a third and eight where Trevor Lawrence makes a play and you don't have a linebacker on the field? Is it you're calling timeouts early in the game because you're not organized. Yeah, and that's you're not, not good enough to overcome yeah, that. It, yeah, exactly. It's those small things that we know the Colts are going to have to win games in the margins. It's it's can you be a solid team? You know, not missing tackles, not not driving like you did with Buffalo and Matt Gay misses a kick, right? Are you just a fundamentally solid team? Uh, and then you can build on some of the greatness that you hope you see from Anthony Richardson. But if you keep kicking your, you know, shooting yourself in the foot over and over again, it's third and three, and you get a false start penalty. It's you finally get a big run, and it's well, it's a holding call. We saw a couple of those. What in Philly, I believe, with Nelson that opening drive. You drive down the field, you miss a field goal, whatever it may be. And I know I'm picking on the offense, but I mean that on the defense as well. You know, you're jumping off sides. 
things. You're getting holding and PI calls all the time. To me, it's are you are you a solid football team? Um, much more so than maybe some of the greatness you could see from Richardson. That's what I'm going to look for on Saturday. How solid are they? How cleaned up are they by game one? Uh, we will have the pop quiz coming up in a few. 317-239-1070 for that. Let's lead off the morning check down with what's going on with Team USA here at halftime of their quarterfinal game. Andy, I think the score is a bit deceiving in a way. It's 46-24. The U.S. just absolutely dominated on the scoreboard Italy here in their quarterfinal matchup. Um, but really, if you watch the first handful of minutes, it looked shaky. And then Tyrese Halliburton and that bench unit win in the game. And once again, guys like him, Austin Reeves, uh, Paulo Boncaro, they were critical in totally changing um, how that game flow was going there, and it's been dominant ever since. Mikhail Bridges has been pretty good as well. He's got 14 points, and it helps when Italy goes 2 of 19 from 3. So, at this point, the United States looking like they will be clinching their spot into Friday's semifinal, where they will take on Germany or Latvia, and Germany has certainly won that we saw in the exhibition portion. They had a, what, a 17-point lead mm-hmm. against the U.S. at one point. Dennis Schroeder, the Wagner brothers, oh, yeah. Daniel Tice, Pacers legend, Daniel <laughs> Daniel Tice. Yeah, Halliburton right now, six points, three rebounds, uh, what, three assists, a he block, just, and a steal. When him and Reeves yeah. enter the game, they just there's just a little bit of a different, and part of it is Italy has to go to their second unit. Obviously, there's some drop-off there, but uh, very nice from the U.S. after kind of an ugly first five minutes. We're going to get to baseball here in a second, but just quickly, we haven't mentioned this just in the NFL. Cooper Cup meeting a specialist with that hamstring. Oh, I thought you were going to go Notre Dame's uh, big win over Tennessee State. I mean, we're not, we're not going to do that. No? Uh, Reds winners last night, 6-3 over the Mariners. Uh, big week for them. It continues tonight, 6-40 first pitch there in Cincinnati. Just, what, two and a half game back Boy, that of wild the Brew card. Crew? That wild card is crazy. Oh, it's I mean, coming right down now, to the last game. You got the yeah. Phillies and you got the Cubs, um, and then that third wild card spot with the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Marlins. Yeah, this is going to be a race that will go down to whatever, September 30th, and if there is a game October 1st, then what day? What day is September 30th? We need to look that up. Hang is on. Is that a Saturday? What day What day of the week is that? Is it For a Saturday? For some reason, I feel like it's a Saturday. It is a Saturday. Well, you only know that because it's probably, you know, the Notre, Notre Dame, Dame schedule. <laughs> Notre Dame Duke. Come on, Elko. Sunday, October 1st. We're going to get a game here. Mark? Sam Hartman has led 12 drives this season. 11 of them have ended in touchdowns. (laughs) They got NC State at NC State Saturday. What time did they pull pull Hartman? Mm In Tennessee State. Fourth quarter, they pull him finally? Oh, they actually pulled him at halftime. Oh, did they really? He didn't yeah. play at all the second no, half? I was thrilled. Yeah. I was very happy about that. Uh, other college football items from over the weekend. Let's, I guess, go to the two primetime games the last couple of nights. Uh, Brian Kelly, sad to see such a disappointing second half out of the Tigers in that poor one. family. Florida State family. certainly looks like a team that, given their schedule, they are capable of making the playoff this season. And then last night, you saw a court storming and or a court, I shouldn't say field court. storming. Field storming. I guess they probably don't storm the court of Duke, right? Isn't that against everything? No, that they're about? one. They're one of the schools. What them, Kentucky, uh, Indiana used to be that way, and now they storm. Uh-huh. Now, now they storm the court. I don't know who else fits that mold. North Carolina, Notre Dame probably. basketball. We're going to storm if we beat you know Murray State this season. Uh, Duke storming of the field as they beat Clemson twenty eight to seven. I mean, I knew Clemson, new OC. You know, Harold, the quarterback, I guess he played last year for him. 
I was stunned by 28 to 7. Oh, I was stunned, but uh, was it Klublik? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's very good. Is Jake's show just going to start with taps being played for the Clemson Tigers <laughs> season? Did he even get to watch? What time did he get home from Portland? Maybe did he the- travel? Sarah McLaughlin song yeah. that you that you played earlier there in honor of Jim Harbaugh. That was uh, not a very good birthday weekend for Jake Query. No, but I'm sure he enjoyed it out in Portland. Uh, Fever, they've got three games to go. This is their final week of the season. They won in overtime. Saw Kelsey Mitchell and I think Alyssa Smith both over 30 points uh, for the Fever as they won in overtime. So they are, for those in the Fever tank for Caitlin Clark camp, they're not doing a very good job of that. That means they're winning basketball games, which... I guess is a good. It's ever thing. since I showed up, you the you fever you've started to win fever season ever, around. Ever since I showed up, the fever have been ruining the draft stock the, every night. Andy Sweeney, right here. <laughs> That's a headline the right there. Andy Sweeney ruins Caitlin Clark. <laughs> Look at that. Fever. Iowa fans are rejoicing somewhere. She potentially could come back for another year. Uh, and lastly, uh, quite the cherry on top for Alex Pillow in this 2023 IndyCar season. He wins in Portland. Over the weekend, speaking of Jake Quarry out there, uh, Pillow with one of the best IndyCar seasons, bar none, you are going to see, especially here in modern history. He has been the definition of consistent and a lot of wins to go with that as well. So pretty impressive from the Spaniard. One race left in the IndyCar season. It'll be Laguna Seca. I want to say 2.30. Three. That sounds right. Is it 3? For some reason, I thought 2.30 coverage. Um, and that will be over on WIBC opposite the Colts game this weekend. So It's a big weekend. Yes, it is a big, big sports weekend. Felix Rosenquist signing with Meyer Shank Racing, by the way. I saw that. So we should have a little bit of changing of the guard there with Elio Castroneves. Going to give him some ownership with Meyer Shank Racing. All right, it is time real, for the pop real quiz. Quick, real quick, because we haven't promoted it yet. Our uh, Pick'em League is back this year. So people who wanted to pick with us in NFL games, that is posted, that is pinned on our show Twitter page. So see if you can beat the three of us jabronis. So tweet that out. Did, did you tweet that out, Mark? I like that. Tweet that, that link yeah. out, and then yeah, Andy and I can give it a retweet there. Yeah, join our Pick'em League, and we'll give out some picks later in the week. Maybe a little twist to some picks this season for us. We'll do that a little bit later as we get ready for week one here in the NFL season with the Chiefs and Lions getting underway coming up on Thursday. All right, it is time for the pop quiz. Give us a call, 317-239-1070. Do that next. All right, pop. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Quiz time on this Tuesday of game week. Uh, I am taking questions one, three, and five today. There's nothing sinister behind that, KB. I'm not leaving you with a difficult name of a, you know, an, an Italian tennis player or a baseball player from 1931. Oh, By the way, the American males in the U.S. Open, three in the quarterfinals. That's do you, do you get into the majors at all for for tennis? No. <laughs> Direct to the point. I I assume you do. I I, I assume you do. I think there are some things in sports that kind of fascinate me. The lack of a great American male tennis player is one of them for my generation, especially obviously last like ten to fifteen years, is one of them. Sure. So I am intrigued by Francis Tiafo, Ben Shelton, and Tommy Paul. Is that the third one? I am. uh, I'm intrigued by the fact that all three of them have made it to the quarterfinals. Ben Ben Shelton sounds like you know. Sorry, that's my computer. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry about that. It's it's KB's fault. 
Uh, he what? sent it. He sent a text. And for some reason that went through on my computer. Anyway, uh, no, I don't follow it too much at all. I hate to tell you, unless I have some gambling purposes on, I'd like to, it's like an event I'd like to go to. I'd like to go to one of those, right. but Ben Shelton does sound like someone who's going to be playing at Ruoff. He's you got know? a big surf. It, 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 oh, it does, does certainly sound. Uh, Isner, I saw like Isner that. retired. He played in the match that was, oh, what was it, Scotty? It was like, it was, yeah, it was that, yeah, it was, it was hour after hour. And, of course I was wrong on the Paul. Yeah. Part. Uh, Tanner Fritz. Tanner Fritz would be the other one playing Djokovic in the quarterfinal, and then Francis Tiafo and Ben Shelton. So we could be looking at a well, Djokovic against an American do you, do you see a, in the semifinal coming up uh, later this week. Did you see Joker? Did you see who was watching him play? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers? Did you see what Aaron Rodgers did? Uh, there was a Moderna uh, advertisement behind I, Joker when he was serving. I, and Did he cross that he, off? He, the cro- he crossed media? it off on his, uh, on his iPhone. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for that. Thank you. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> he, he's got a bit of a wit to him, does he not? Well, some people would call it wit. Some people would call it something else. I'm and not thankfully, exactly sure. we will not be debating that aspect of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers here in this football. Oh, I'm so tired of the damn Jets season. Uh, last to first Jets this year. You know, we see it every year in the NFL. Them or the Falcons? Uh, those are the two teams oh, I've kind of pegged. Those as are the last two teams. First well, the Falcons aren't going to go last to first. I don't think so. It would have to. It would have to be the Jets. Which kind of sickens me. Actually, more than kind of sickens me. I've already told you. I think the Jets this year, this is their year. And then I think Aaron Rodgers may look a little a little old you know, next year. Let's not forget all he had to do was beat the Lions at home in a primetime game to go to the postseason last year, and they didn't do it, and he choked. He wasn't good in that game, if you remember. Just remember. Just remember. Back-to-back MVPs. Just, just what, remember. Two, that was then. This is now. Two baby. years ago. Did he fall off a cliff that uh, yeah. that quickly? Uh, no, right, the Jets have a good roster. It's time for a pop quiz. Very good. Uh, 317-239-1070. Andy Sweeney, give us a number here. Yeah, let's go number three. The number of wins Bob Kravitz thinks the Colts will have this season. Three. Austin. That was kind of wild when Bob said... You know, 12 combined wins for IU, Purdue, and the Colts. So that would be 12. Be a fun fall, everybody. Did he say that? So that would be 12 and 29. Enjoy the winner. Of the three here. Yeah. Hey, Austin, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Austin, if we set the Colts over under at six and a half, which I believe that's what Vegas has, where are you, go- where are you going? I'll go ahead and take the over. I think seven wins. Look at this. There we go. Seven and ten. Is that fan optimism, heart speaking, or do you have like some head thoughts there i'm gonna say a little bit of both i'm, I'm not gonna lie i think that it's a little bit of me being in a hardcore fan but i think the colts get a couple with a couple dubs they surprised a couple 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 teams this year yeah I, I actually think bob is a little bit underselling there <laughs> i i would say that the schedule a big aspect to it is i just don't think the schedule is very good all right austin we appreciate you calling in for the pop quiz andy for some reason has taken one three and five so I'm a little nervous what two and four could lead to, but uh, go ahead, Andy. All right, Austin, question number one. College football coaching legends Joe Paterno and Woody Hayes rank one and two for the most losses by 20-plus points as a head coach of an AP top five team. Oh, geez, act- I'm not even following that. The active leader is, is in third place. The active leader is in third place, okay? It's a guy coaching right now. Is it A- Dabo Sweeney, B, Brian Kelly, C, Nick Saban, D, Mac Brown. Let's go with Mac Brown. Now, you said you're adding to your family later here in a couple oh. of weeks now here. 
Andy, is that right? Yes. My family. Austin, who'd you say? Oh, well, like, I, well, maybe Brian Kelly. Oh, okay. All right. Brian <laughs> Kelly. Well, maybe. It might be. Interesting. All right. Yeah, it might be. Okay, Austin. Let's see how you do on number two. Alex Pillow is your 2023 NTT IndyCar Series champion following his win in Portland on Sunday. Pillow has won the championship in two of the past three seasons. Who won the championship last year? Is it Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Will Power, or Pato Award? Pato Award. Question number three. Who won Sunday night's NASCAR Southern 500 to take an early lead in the Cup Series playoffs? Is it A, Kyle Larson, B, Denny Hamlin, C, Tyler Reddick, D, Chris, is it Boucher? Boucher. Boucher. Hmm. Um, it's well, not him. How about that? I mean, Larson, right. Hamlin, Reddick. Who is it? Uh, let's go with uh, B. Uh, you're going with Denny Hamlin? Yeah. That's mm. not good. Is there anything more NASCAR mm. race mm. than the NASCAR Southern 500? I mean, come on. Like, we know it's the Southern 500. <laughs> right. Yeah. Number four here, Austin. Royce Lewis of the Twins hit his third Grand Slam of the season yesterday. Lewis's three slams have come over his last eight games. He's just the fourth player in Major League history to hit three Grand Slams over an eight-game span. Which of the following did not hit three Grand Slams over eight games? Lou Gehrig, Jim Northrup, Larry Parrish, or Don Mattingly? Uh, Parrish. Got a state tie to this one. All right, last one. Question number five, Austin. Week one of the college football season in the books with one Division I FBS conference boasting a perfect record. KB actually mentioned this in the 8 o'clock hour. Name the only conference in which every team is undefeated so far. Is it A, the SEC, B, the Pac-12, C, the Sun Belt, D, the Mountain West? Mountain West. That was a tough start to the week. All right, Austin, thank you. Um, I just want Oregon State to win the Pac-12 so bad. Well, they could. DJ Uyungle, right? Uyungle, yeah. yeah. The Clemson transfer out there. That's a top 20 Oregon State team. Uh, gosh, that would be Boy. great. How yeah, great would that it, be? It would be great, but that's a top 20 team that you will never see. Like you'll you'll be flipping around oh, on Saturday. After dark. Well, yeah, but they got to play after dark. Yeah, yeah, if they're playing after dark and I'm chasing deep into they were the night. On CBS on Sunday. Did you see that? Three thirty. Were game. they really? Oh yeah, that was the main game against San Jose State. Uh, did or did I see Oregon scored eighty one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Eighty one. Uh, you know, it's did I you throw for eighty one feet of yards? Oh, I no, I think their passing yards were right around eighty one. I mean, it was to seven against Portland State. That was Oregon. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to have to look this up. Hang on, I, I need the I need the box score. Uh, da, 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 da. So Brian Kelly, he got right after a little bit of a hint, to say the least. Eighty-two. There. Indiana had eighty-two yards passing. That is correct. Modern day football, <laughs> uh, and that was it. Unfortunately for Austin, uh, the rest of the answers: Will yeah. Power, Kyle Larson, you Don Mattingly, and the Pac-12. Yeah, I don't feel bad on number five. I mean, you mentioned that to him, so. Yeah. You, you gave the answer. Will Power. Uh, Pato Ward was right there, wasn't he? Late last year, Scotty? Yeah. Pato Ward in the Pato season. Was second. Season series there. Um, 
best game this week is at Alabama, Texas? Oh, yeah. Am, am I missing anything else on yeah. that? No, that's the best game this weekend. Georgia is Ball it? State doesn't do anything for you? <laughs> Ball, Ball State hung around there early, but they did not cover there. Okay. We, and then, I am. are you guys surprised at all that Purdue is a slight... I thought I saw they were a one-point favorite at Virginia Tech. So this is this is a funny thing. Ball State was covering that entire game, guys. Mark Stoops at Kentucky kept the starters in. You mentioned pulling Sam Hartman. You know, you know. Obviously, Tennessee State's not as good even as Ball State. Kentucky was running hurry up offense, legit offense, with a couple minutes to go, with forty seconds to go, and their running back busted a run for a touchdown. Oh boy! That, so it was a bad beat. That, for oh the no! It was chirp a beat, it was a, it was a beat like within the last 10, 15, 20 seconds of the game, and you will never not convince me that a coaches don't know, and b that especially Mark Stoops doesn't know. <laughs> Oh yeah, coaches a thousand percent. Oh yeah, now. like did he have? Do you have a buddy that like ten grand on the game or something? I mean, they were running offense like it was first quarter, and they're up twenty four, and Kentucky's playing their starters. Yeah, playing one, their starters. One forty to go in the game. Ball State is down, which Ball State had given up a kick return for a touchdown. Ball State is down twenty three. I want to say the line is like twenty five and a half, and Ray Davis rips off a thirty yard yep. touchdown run. To put I uh, the, alternate the spread cover. that game at 30 and a half. So I just barely. Oh, oh my gosh, Mark. Ah, the alternate spread. You Love guys, the alternate spread. You guys want to give that one a little Give bit. us an early guess on the Ball State Georgia line for this week? 43 and a half. Mark? I'll say 41 and a half. Look at you guys, you degenerates. 42 and a half. <laughs> it was right. It was right between us. We'll do it one final time here. Wake up call, KB and Andy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, yeah, last segment. It's a Tuesday game week. Query and company, they got you at noon. JMV has you at 3 o'clock as we get you ready for the Colts and Jags. That pregame begins Sunday, obviously, uh, at 10 a.m. Just a couple minutes here, KB, before we get uh, to the top of the hour and we get out of here on this Tuesday. Uh, we Something that maybe we can talk a little bit tomorrow about. You know, Jonathan Taylor has been such a discussion in NFL circles, and there's almost been a level of disgust, right, uh, that, that some some former players and you know on ESPN or the NFL Network have had you know blasting Chris Ballard, blasting away on Jim Ursay. Uh, two things: the uh, Mike Evans and the Bucks situation. That's a little nasty as well. I mean, he's going to play out this deal and and probably move on. I know he's on the other side of thirty years old, a wide receiver and everything else, but he goes over a thousand yards every single season. There's that, and then I mean the Chris Jones situation. I I mean, we could be looking at a player of his stature there in Kansas City of him not being there game one. I mean, like, usually these things get done. They're down to the last few days. And my man wants, you know, he wants north of $80 million. And and now that's becoming the contract that's being talked around uh, the NFL and not Jonathan Taylor. When the Taylor situation was going on, no one talked about Chris Jones at all. And now they are. Well, obviously the difference being, you know, I I guess health. And I say that in in quotes. You know, some of these 
these other guys with their respective contract disputes are a little bit healthier than where you're at with with Taylor. Um, again, Zach Moss, we'll see if he gives it a go on Sunday or not. I think it'll be Deion Jackson, Evan Hall, but I think tomorrow we'll offer a little bit more confirmation just on if Zach Moss will be able to give it a go. All right, so we have 90 seconds of sound here. Do you want to hear this? This uh, Houston Astros fan, Scotty, I don't know if you've even heard this. He reached over. Uh, it was in the series with the Yankees, and I don't know. They used to throw you out, didn't they, if you if you reached into the field to play? But Buster Olney, I think it's Buster Olney, yeah. uh-huh. uh, of ESPN went there up there and interviewed the guy, and he kind of became a viral sensation. So take a listen. If you haven't heard this, fantastic sound from over the weekend. So tell us about that play and how it developed. <laughs> so pretty much I'm out here with my son. This is our first ever game. We just moved here to Houston literally in January and I just wanted to make the moment special for him. As a father, I feel like it's my job to make sure that I give him the best moments. I apologize to the Astro organization. I didn't know it from y'all gotta understand when it's dropping down, it looked like it's coming directly to you. So I reached and my body went for what I know. But we did have a wonderful moment. Okay, so you reach out, and what was the reaction that you heard right after the play was over? The reaction was shock, disgust, happiness, sweat, a little bit of lust, baby. You feel me? I was in there feeling kind of kind of hurt, but my finger still shaking a little bit. It was all way heavier with the gravity. I'm not going to lie to you. Charlie Ray, we're going to be on TV, baby! So, tell me, it looked like that you went away for a bit, and then you came back. How'd you talk your way back? So, truthfully, Houston loves me, and I love Houston, and they cannot stop me from supporting the Asteroids. So, what happened Asteroids. was, I almost had to give them pop, 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 pop real quick on them, but they wasn't listening, so I showed some love, and they let me come back. They really were just trying to make sure that I wasn't hurt, and that making sure that we didn't go off the rails. So, salute to the whole organization. Great staff. They made sure that I was healthy and I was enjoying the game. They wasn't even making it serious. <laughs> but they wasn't listening, so I chose to love Bop, That's what I was trying to find. The bop, I gotta bop, love bop, bop. the little bit of lust. I mean, how great is that? I know, I should have marked that. I feel like he was like getting ready for one of those Mad Libs where they're like, give us an adjective, and you just name like 12 of them right there. That guy became Father a hero. Father of the year. He, he is. He what? is. That'll be you and little gas one day over, boy, over he, at Victory he, Field. He really reached out. Too for that foul but ball. I, I, I kind of agree with him. Oh, on like I'm with the, him on sure. the natural instinct standpoint. Sure, sure. But I'm saying this wasn't like ah, oh, it's kind of a home run, like you see at the old ones at Yankee Stadium, or like this was way out. This is more than Bartman, is what I'm trying to say. Hey, he stuck his entire body out there. Good for him. The asteroids. Jeffrey Mayer was that the guy in New York, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Tony Trasco was that his? Was that the outfielder? Uh, thank you right there. to Bob Kravitz, thank you to Joel A. Erickson. Those will be up on the podcast. Colts' first official regular season practice of the 2023 season. Tomorrow we'll preview it and we'll get you set for week one in the NFL. See ya.